3: Hey kids, uh, welcome to a Wednesday. Hopefully you're up and about or listening on a podcast. This might be a Thursday, for all we know, if you're listening on a podcast. Hell, it might be a Saturday, for all we know, if you're listening on a podcast. Uh, Welcome to Just a Game, live from the Oodle Noodle studios. Uh, I am your uh, host, Rob Kerr. Uh, glad you could spend some time with us. And today, I think you picked a good show. I think I think if you were going to listen or watch one podcast this week, stream one show, um, share with your friends, rate and review and all of that sort of thing, I think this is the show. Um, good friend of the program. Uh, well, I guess since we, we're we not a month in, can we have good friends of the program? Good friend of mine, uh, good friend of the old program, uh, Trent McCollin, a comedian from this hour, has 22 minutes. He's going to join us. And uh, speaking of good friends, Cheryl Bernard. Yes, that Cheryl Bernard live in studio with us this afternoon so uh looking forward to the olympic uh, olympian two-time olympian joining us Uh, she's got a lot of titles quite honestly she's got her she's got her fingers in a lot of things right now as a matter of fact we're going to talk about one of those um Broadcasting live from Treaty 7 Territory, as we always are. This is a an inclusive program. Everybody is welcome. Uh, we welcome you, and we uh, wish and hope you're safe, and everybody's safe and joining us today and feels like they're comfortable. So, uh, as always, we want to make sure you're here. Um, okay. Uh, not, not good. Not good if you're the local hockey heroes last night. Uh, yet another overtime setback. Yet another one-game loss. Yet another, well tell me if this sounds like a recipe. Is this a recipe? Average goaltending, lots of shots, chase game, just add water. Is that, that, that sounds like a recipe uh, Four three and overtime to Arizona. Difficult math becomes difficulter, which isn't a word, but here we are. Um, not good. Not good. Uh, part of the storyline that it's one thing to El Pupo, the Beto. Uh, it's another thing when you have a player on the other side who you gave up for nothing um, put him on waivers and he was gobbled up and played more than anybody else on either team last night. Valamaki, Valimaki, uh, 24 46, two assists plus one. This is not a good Arizona team. Take, you know, the fact they beat Calgary side, although I think points now in six. And the last time the Flames played them, they had points in 11 or something. So they, they, they're good at home this year. They weren't good at home last year. All of those things. I don't think Yusuf Alamaki right now is a number one defenseman on most NHL teams, but he's a number one defenseman on this, this Arizona team. Um, again, a, a player, why did you have to give him up? Couldn't put him down in the minors, and that's where ultimately the decision was to place him. Whose decision that was? General manager, I guess, ultimately. Uh, your coach has a word in there. There's something about it. Let's, let's start with accountability. Shall we? Because, and and that's actually a good place to start today, because I got a little to say about accountability. Um, We have been, uh, not necessarily in this program, but in certain parts of this program, talking a lot about accountability, holding uh, teams accountable, holding coaches accountable, holding general managers, holding leagues. Hell, we're holding... Uh, Hockey Canada, accountable for their transgressions. Uh, We've got all kinds of problems with national sports organizations and accountability. Um, Accountability is one of those buzzwords that gets thrown out there. Uh, Accountability is a real cool, easy label to put upon people and say, "Uh, they're not accountable or where's the accountability? Um, It's easy to sit in this chair and pontificate about accountability. But it needs to go both ways. So let's start here today. Um, You can't lead without being accountable. Uh, We search for perfection when all we really need is good. Our leaders are going to make mistakes. It's not about running the table. It's not about putting up perfect tens across the board. It's about doing the best you can, but also acknowledging and recognizing when you've screwed up, when you've messed up, and being accountable. And quite honestly, we live in a very litigious world. And rather than being accountable, most times at high levels, these things involve courts and lawyers and fees and things like that, rather than somebody going, yep, okay, that's the decision, I'll live with it, or yep, I was wrong, that's the decision, I'll live with it. Accountability is something that I, I believe in, and you cannot be pious, you cannot sit on your soapbox and cast dispersions upon others, unless you're prepared to be the same. I owe uh, Ryan Pike, a huge apology. Ryan was kind enough, as he always is on Mondays, to join us and talk about uh, the Calgary Flames. And we were talking about captaincy, and he brought up the o three o four season and Jerome getting the captaincy, and he talked about it. And I, I, I said, no, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. Um, hey, everybody makes a mistake. That's okay. Everybody makes a mistake. Not only was I wrong, but I doubled and I tripled down on that wrong. Uh, it was brought to my attention yesterday. I went back and watched it. I owe Ryan Pike an apology. Uh, I'm rolling my eyes. I'm, I'm all of those things that humble people aren't. Quite honestly, I was arrogant. Quite honestly, I was arrogant. And I apologize to Ryan Pike. I apologize to you. Uh, I think there needs to be integrity in these things. I think we have to have, uh, own our mistakes. I wasn't wrong. I was really wrong. And I don't know what I was thinking might be old age. I don't know, might, might be arrogance. Um, maybe I just made a mistake, but I made a mistake and then I doubled and tripled down on it. So Ryan, my apologies to you, my apologies to anybody that um, might've been a little bit offended or a lot offended or kind of offended by any of that. Uh, Cause I was wrong, but more importantly, it's the way that I went about it. I'm not, I'm not proud of that. And I, and I hope you guys know I'm not about that. So Ryan, I apologize. And, and I will try to do better. And today I will try to do better with some friends and, and today I'll try to do better with you. Um, I think we would all agree that the first month, uh, has been, um, well, I kind of feel like I have been away for a while and I'm still kicking off some rust, the big butterfingers disconnecting things. And a couple of challenges here and there. And then I think this is the second or third time that I've hold, held myself accountable for something that I've said when I was wrong. Um, And I apologize. I do. And I hope we're going to get better. I I think I can get better. I have to get better, Uh, but you deserve better. So anyway, I just want to make sure that we're all square on that. Uh, Back to Calgary last night, Uh, 45 to 25 were the shots over the Arizona Coyotes. Matter of fact, uh, Calgary outshot Arizona 14 to three in the third, but we're chasing Arizona got a shorthanded goal uh, early and Calgary had to chase it down, tied it. But again, uh, the black, the black hole, which is overtime, for the Calgary flames continues. Um, they lose it fairly, I'd say fairly deep into overtime, uh, you know, power play zero for two, uh, killed off the one power play against, or, or did they, they gave up a short headed goal. So, uh, I guess you can't really say that, um, had one, just one lead in this game and then they were chasing. Um, this is a team that they fell down three to one last time they were there a couple of weeks ago and had to come all the way back. They just couldn't come all the way back. Um, credit Sportsnet and their uh, and their producer and their di- directors and their talent for putting up a graphic yesterday, of of just the the lack of offense from guys that should be providing offense right now, Mangiapane and Kadri and the double digit games that they are, um, you know the, the the two wins on the road last week against Dallas and, and Minnesota gave you hope. The loss against Anaheim took it away. You know, kind of a beat down on a tired. Team with a fourth or fifth string goaltender maybe gives you a little. But yesterday, unfortunately, just doesn't feel like any steps have been taken forward. Um, it it just doesn't. Um, and I think add to that, and I there's a lot of social on this today, and and obviously it's you know a talking point is you gave up so Valamaki for nothing. Nothing. Nothing on waivers. And when this Arizona team with what, 90 picks in the first four rounds of the next four years, whatever it is. They got a tremendous amount of, of capital in which to work for. If you assume that they're going to get better, he likely is going to be a leader on that blue line. May not be their best blue liner, but he's likely going to be a leader on their blue line. Connor Mackey didn't look bad either. Um, you know, but that was a trade. Um, but there are two players that you you didn't develop, weren't able to develop at the big league level that that you wanted to, you know. You sat Mackey for most of the year. You tried to put Balamackey uh, da- back in the in the minors. That is going to hurt you. That down the road, it's a message. It's everybody everybody's you're only as good as your last season. Let's be perfectly honest. So when agents start sizing you up, they're going to go, okay, what happened last year? Oof, You know, they didn't do this or they did that. Now, having said that, I hope a lot of people are paying attention to Dylan Dubé because Dubé is a guy that has absolutely flourished. I think uh, under the, the current administration and really raised the level of his game. I think it happens, um, but I, I think, you know, and maybe I'm wrong on this one and maybe I've got recency bias. Cause I watched one game last, or I watched him One game last night, you know, but Balamaki, he can play. He can absolutely play. Meanwhile, um, credit to uh, the aforementioned Ryan Pike. Uh, I think it was his tweet yesterday. Are you aware of this, Dustin Wolf, Calgary Wranglers? First, the American Hockey League with 35 wins. First, the American Hockey League with five shutouts. First in the American Hockey League with a 2.22 goals against. First in the American Hockey League with a 928 save percentage. First in the hockey game uh, in the AHL in games played 47, and first in the American League in minutes played 27-61-31. and obviously by that he's also leading the league in shots faced at 1426. So um, as bad as last night was, as the Balamaki thing stings, you do need to know there's some hope on the horizon. There's some thought. Uh, that uh, there are some prospects getting better and better and better. Uh, eventually, we're going to have to begin to have this question or conversation about whether or not there's any you know, room for Dustin Wolf to grow in the American Hockey League or whether or not you need to make a place for him up here. Um, if this was a survey, if this was a vote, I'm pretty sure uh, that most of you would vote to bring him up. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that I wouldn't either. General managers are meeting in all places, Florida. They never take the opportunity to go to Iowa, they never take the opportunity to go up to Fort McMurray. They never take the opportunity to, you know, go hang out in, in you know, in you know, in, in northern Quebec. It's always these warm places. Anyway, uh, good on them. Uh, it's great for the people that get to cover the sport. Some things that are uh, more video review. Do you like the video review, kids? Oh, give me human error. I'm all for human error. I, I don't care. I am all for human error. but uh, friendly fire high, high sticks. Okay, so what if your player clips another your own player, and you know the, the opposition gets fingered? We've seen this movie before. It's happened to all teams. They want to talk about reviewing that, and then pucks over the glass, making sure they're getting those. Um, kind of a small one that'll um go, kind of I think uh, under the radar is uh, the league looking at making uh, skate cut protective equipment mandatory on wrists and legs. We've seen some nasty injuries over the year. This is something that they would like to implement and rumor has it, at least they're talking about it, expanding, um, over three on three overtime from five to seven minutes. All right. Before we get to our first guest, I do want to show you this. Um, I love this. I, I, I had to live on Twitter last night to take all of this in the Washington, uh, capitals and New York Rangers played a game that was broadcast last night on espn plus disney plus and the disney channel and disney xd so at the bottom is what we would see but then on tv you could watch now big city greens i I admit i don't know this show i am about 12 years removed from knowing everything that was on disney uh so i'm not familiar with this but the entire game was broadcast as one complete cartoon. The whole thing. Kevin Weeks was a cartoon character. They had they had the voices from the kids, or the show, I should say, uh, in the crowd. Um, we've seen a little bit of this, and I loved it when the uh, NFL does their Nickelodeon game, um, but that's not a cartoon. That's just they add graphics and everything. And, and the, the cool the, – the, not the cool thing, the interesting piece about the Nickelodeon game, it does way better in blowouts when the game's not – Huge numbers, but this year's game was so tight that they lost all of the audience over to the regular channel because it's a tight game. So anyway, the NHL doesn't get a lot of kudos. I want to give the NHL kudos for trying it. Um, if you have kids, this is going to resonate. They are going I I think this is a great way of introducing the sport um, you know, in in, in, in non-traditional markets, as it were. Now, having said that, I don't I don't think that Disney wants to give up this what is it called? It's called Big City Greens. I don't think they're going to turn the whole Big City Greens into all hockey, but a couple of these a year, uh, you know, kind of built around perhaps the, the outdoor games or holidays or something like that. Or, you know, Black Fridays or somewhere where you, you could potentially draw, draw a big audience and maybe different shows. It was all a technology. It's all about showing off the technology issue. That's what it was. The technology that can do it. And they proved that it can do it. It looked good. It was a lot of fun, so kudos to the National Hockey League. Boy, there's something you never, never, ever hear. All right, we are live in the Oodle Noodle Studio. We bring the heat. Try the butter chicken, mac and cheese, Kung Pao noodles, Bangkok pad Thai, classic, vegetarian, gluten-friendly options. This is the Kelms. They sent me this picture last night. They are eating oodle noodle. The guy with his fingers up, that that's Noah, the legendary Noah, the goalie, his brother, Ty. Both of them are coming with me to Ottawa this uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, as we go to our first tournament with superheroes. So uh, if it's good enough for the Kelms, it's good enough for you. Pick up and delivery. Clearly, they got pick up two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. So thanks to the Kelms for passing along a photo of their dinner. Now I'm hungry. Um, one of the first people I reached out when we decided we were coming back and coming home to the nation network is our next guest. And, uh, it's because he, he brings an element that I think is missing a lot in these kind of shows, in these kind of conversations, um, his perspective, it's missing in a lot of things. Uh, you can catch him on, uh, CBC, uh, on this hour has 22 minutes. He has his own podcast called the generators, and he is currently, uh, in the midst of, of the Dirt Road Kid comedy tour, which will, speaking of Fort Mac, find itself in northern Alberta, May twenty seventh. Front of the program, Trent McClellan. Everybody, how are you, buddy? Good man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Well, it's. I don't know how you can make time for this. I just listed it off. What aren't you doing right
1: now? <laughs> yeah, I uh, got back from Toronto on Sunday, and we filmed um, twenty two minutes on Monday night. Yesterday was a writing day, and we okay. had read today so uh we're back uh, making sketches tomorrow on friday so it's it's pretty full but i i wrap up uh march 28th i think i'm back in calgary so i'm looking forward to getting back home once uh once we're all done
3: okay well we, we really brought you down to break down the trade deadline from a couple of weeks ago
1: but having said that
3: there are a couple <laughs> things you just brought up so you uh you played toronto you played the Elliot Gould or Glenn Gould Gould Glen, Glenn right? Gould, yeah. No, the Glenn, not Elliot
1: Gould. Glenn not the Gould, Elliot Gould. Oh, that's his okay. brother, I think. And he doesn't have a theater. I don't think or does he? Yeah. Or I don't know. He will. It's Elliot Gould eventually. Everyone gets a theater. You get one. You, you, get, the get, one. you get one. Tell me about playing a theater in Toronto as a comedian. What was the experience like? Oh, uh, it was amazing. It's like uh you know, I'm I'm from Newfoundland originally, right? Mm-hmm. And then I spent, you know, twenty years in Calgary. So like we we have that certain relationship with Toronto. They get all the love. Toronto thinks it's amazing. So to just go into Toronto and just blast them on stage and get paid to do it. I mean, it's a, it's a rare find, Rob. It's hard <laughs> to find that gig. And so, you know, once every couple of years, I like to go in there and give a piece of my mind, you know, make fun of Air Canada, take the check, and get out of town. <laughs> so that's, that's what I did. So it was, uh, it was great. We had a good crowd. And here's something. Yeah. I had people that I went to high school with that I hadn't seen in 30 years show up at this show and say, Hey man, I'm living in the area. And I just thought I'd come out. And so it was a, it was surreal. It really, really was that people made that kind of effort to come out and, and, uh, and check in and check out the show after all that time. So it was a, it was a really, really cool night.
3: So how does Trent McClellan reconnect with people from the past? Are you taking a victory lap? Are you wearing (laughs) shades and, you know, I don't have time for this or are you humbled by it? How does that, what does it mean when, you know that's your life
1: right yeah yeah it's 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 a cool moment as a comedian, you know, like i I wrote a post about it, but just this fact that you know everyone's been through a rough couple of years. this has been a a very trying time, You and I have talked about it you know ourselves over breakfast, and it's like you know people are trying to find ways to reconnect, and for me to be a performer and do a stand up comedy show where I share you know silly thoughts and observations. And then have people, you know, come and laugh at that and then hang out afterwards to chat about their lives and where they're at. It's like, it's a really cool thing to be in the center of that every single night. And it's something I didn't anticipate when I first put the tour together. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just back at this and, and uh, just you know, doing my thing. And, but then to hear people's stories about what they've been going through and how much they enjoyed the show, it was, it was really, really powerful. And something, as I said, that was unexpected. So it's been a, it's been a nice add-on to this whole thing.
3: What is a a Toronto crowd? uh, I mentioned you're going to be in in Fort McMurray on May 27th. What's a Toronto crowd versus a a Fort McMurray crowd like for you performing?
1: I don't don't find it that different, to be honest. You know, like I've played a lot of shows in in the States, and I I started my comedy career in Calgary. So I was Mm -hmm. going to like Carstairs and Kindersley and Rosetown, Saskatchewan, and the home of Nickelback, Hannah. And what I realized really quickly is like if you're talking about human experiences – whether it's relationships or frustrations with travel or whatever, it doesn't matter. Big city, small town, village, doesn't matter. People can relate to it, you know? And I think when I started building my act in stand-up, I always tried to think of that. Like, if could I do this in San Diego, for example? But could I also do it, you know, um, in a little town outside of Saskatoon? Like, would it still play, you know? And except for a few minor changes, I feel like I've, I've, I've been able to do that to be able to take the same the same type of material to all those different places. So it's, I don't know. I really do feel though. People are looking for a way to connect again and people want a reason to get out and, and process everything that's gone over the last couple of years. So it's been uh it's been really, really cool to get back on stage and, and be in front of people again.
3: So difference between a headliner and an opening act. Now you have an opening act. What, yeah. what, I mean, what is that? What's that mentality like for you? How does that change things for you? And, and how, you know, you well, were that guy for a long time.
1: Not a long yeah, time, exactly. but you were that well, guy. When I was the opening act for people, I always felt like it was uh, it was a sweet spot, right? Because in right. a way, you can say, well, no one's here to see me anyway. So if mm-hmm. I go out there and blow people away, they're like, who the hell was that guy? You know, there's, right. no, there's no pressure on me, ultimately. And so now it's flipped where I'm the headliner guy. And if my opening act ahead of me crushes, I'm like, well, now I got to... I got to bring the heat, right? So it's like when you're the opening act, you're like the backup goalie. Like, well, you know, it's back-to-back nights. I, I'm coming in for the game, too. You know what I mean? Ah, I didn't win. What do you want from me? I'm the backup. Yeah. But uh, when you're the headliner, there's that pressure, and your name's on the poster, and people have paid the money to see you do your thing. So mm-hmm. um, it's a different vibe. But luckily, I've been able to have some great opening acts. I've had a few musicians, actually open up some of the shows and then my good friend donovan deshner who's also from calgary he opened up the show in toronto so it's uh, it's been really cool to watch them do their thing too so uh, i've been i've been having a blast with it man so is that
3: a hard thing to select is that a, a process i mean as you go through the okay i'm gonna go on a tour i i guess do you sit down and audition or, or how do you find the right person to put in front of you
1: well for me i like someone that's going to relate to the audience that's coming to see me you know mm-hmm. someone Whose either sensibility or their talents is something that would connect with the audience that's coming to see me. And also like anything in life, is it someone you want to be around for a bunch of hours or days or whatever, you know, like there's just that likability factor that I think makes a big difference as well. And, And all the people that I've had opening on this tour have been incredibly talented first and foremost. So I know they can do the job, but secondly, I, I really enjoy being around them, just good people and, and great to chat to and talk to and connect and trade, you know, different stories about performing and, and road gigs and stuff. So it's uh it's always about that. Can they do the job? And do you want to be around them for, for long periods of time, as anybody would think about, you know, in a working environment?
3: I, I've established that my memory is a little bit rusty, but I believe and I mentioned your podcast generators. Did you not have Bob Saget on? And did you not talk to Bob? Because you opened for Bob at one point, did you yeah. not?
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah. Bob was uh, he was so kind to of me, man. When you I know a lot of people know this, but when you start out in stand up in particular as an opening act for a big name, a lot of times they don't necessarily give you the time of day Like they might not talk to you at all backstage. You're just kind of the local guy we found in this town to kill 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> but I was backstage opening for Bob. My agent had set it up. I'm sitting in my dressing room and all of a sudden I hear a knock at the door. and It's Bob Saget. He's like, hey, Trent. Hey man, like, so glad you're doing this. Looked at your clips, really loved it. It's going to be awesome. You want to have drinks after? We can do drinks after. If you don't drink, we don't got to do drinks. I don't care. It doesn't matter to I me. Mean, but if you want to do drinks, let's do some drinks. I mean, it'd be great. We have to do- so we hit it off right away. We right. went afterwards, had drinks. He's talking about, um, you know, this girl he was dating at the time, which went on to become his wife, you know, yeah. and it was just so kind to of me, man. Wrote a letter for me for my work visa to to get, you know, to be able to work in the US and Got me on stage at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. Like he was just was one of those guys who, if when he said something, he meant it, and he—he he was ultimately kind. It was all about kindness. So when he passed, it was just like it was a shot to the guts for me because I just—he was touring at the time and was so excited about his new material and stuff. And so when he passed, I was just—I uh, was. It took me a long time to get past that because I was just like, he's one of the good guys, man. He, he understood. Yeah. He understood his platform and what he could do with it, and how he could help other people. And uh, yeah, that that, uh, that was a huge, huge loss. So before he passed, he was he was kind enough to be on my podcast, and he was yeah. super busy and and we had a great chat about the business. And uh, you just felt better when you talked to him. He was just an uplifting guy. He was just uh, for folks who didn't know him personally. He was just just a positive guy. Loved what he did and loved helping people.
3: Yeah, I just remember I, I think I texted you after about how much I enjoyed that conversation because. He he was real in it, but also I think if you're smart enough, you know the business exactly what you said. He didn't have to do that. He's Bob Saget, right? Like he's he doesn't have to do anybody's podcast, but he wanted to. He really wanted to be there with you, which I thought was
1: genuine. Yeah, that's what I liked about Bob. It was like there's a a realness right from the start. There was right. no airs of like I'm this famous person and you keep your distance. It was like no, you're a comedian. I'm a comedian. We're the same person. We're like we we do the same thing. Like let's have dinner. Let's go to a steakhouse. Let's do whatever. So it was, He was just that guy. And as you said, he didn't have to be that person, but he made an effort. And if you've watched a tribute that's, I think is on, was on Netflix, the Bob Saget uh, tribute, everybody has those stories about him. Everybody has those stories about his kindness, him calling to check up on people um, following through on what he said he was going to do. Just all those things that I think, you know, we remember someone's work when they pass and and the great comedy they created or movies or great Mm -hmm. athletes. You remember them as people, and, and I think the kindness thing is the thing that you remember the most. And there were there were millions of those stories from from people who uh, who who were touched by Bob at some point.
3: I don't know if it was just the last couple of years, or I'm getting old, or, or whatever. But uh, that one, there was a a, a, la, a couple of the last comedians, even Gary Shandling, and watching the you know the 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 two part on him, um, it almost. It, 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 I, I kind of hate society in a fa- in the way that we have to wait till everybody's gone to tell the stories, yeah. right? Like you were telling the story. It, 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 you were telling the story on your podcast with Bob, but I wasn't hearing it that way. And then he goes and then we get the tributes and it's like, oh man, you know, why yeah. didn't we do this while he was alive? Well, we are, yeah. we just do not hear it that way, do we?
1: Yeah, well, one of the wildest gigs I ever had, actually, I, I got asked to do a gig in Edmonton probably about a decade ago. And mm-hmm. it was a lady who was terminally ill and she was having a celebration of her life. So I get this gig offered. I'm like, what? Like, how is this? So I show up to this gig and people are done to the nines. It's like almost like a a wedding type vibe where people are done up as a head table and she's standing there. She looks beautiful. She's done to the nines. Her husband is there. All of her friends, people got up and gave speeches about what she meant to them. And so it was incredibly emotional. uh, Obviously, but then she wanted to have a comedian, just let's all have fun. And so I, I was a bit cautious, like, wow, this is a different <laughs> different gig. But crowd was like the tension in the room because of the sadness of the event then allowed for this release. Everyone just wanted to laugh, you know, yeah. and, and, and have that relax. And I remember driving home and I was like, driving home in my uh, Dodge Neon, Rob, you know, just rattling <laughs> down the QE2.
2: Absolutely. And, uh,
1: you know, as I turned up that AM radio, you know, I just, I thought to myself, you know, that's what you want to do. Like, why do we wait till someone's gone to then sing their praises and tell these great stories? What about when they're right there sitting across from you? And you can tell them right now. And I, I thought it was such a huge lesson, you know, about, yeah, there's different ways to go about this. We don't have to wait till it's too late. We can, we can take the time now and, and make it a priority. And uh, it, was, it was a powerful night, powerful night.
3: As a performer, how long did it take you to get comfortable?
1: You know, I mean, uh, Rob when you've been doing this long. <laughs> About an hour. And uh, no,
2: it, it, was, uh, it was... We're done. Well, I know
1: what, we're going to take a quick break and uh, I'm going to go rework some material. But uh no, they were pretty good right from the get-go. And, you know, okay. drinks are flowing too. Sure. And it, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They wanted it to be a celebration. After me, I think there was a band and some live music. And I'm like, oh, these people do. they They literally want to celebrate her life. And... Mm. And tell her how amazing she is and how she impacted them. And I was like, "My God, why don't people why don't people do that more often?" So Richard, if I ever yeah. if I ever know I'm going, Rob, y- you can expect an email. I'll be having a celebration, and there'll be you come can down make, and do a podcast. Yeah, and you can make donations to see if we can find enough money to bring me back somehow. So that's what it will be doing. This <laughs> okay. it'll be a ticketed event. It and will be a ticket. Yes, it will ticket be ticketed. Yeah, and they'll be on. Uh, they'll be they'll be going for a lot of money. Needless to say, but
3: uh, right. I do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to. it. We should you're begin plan You really should begin to plan, to really
1: you're begin to plan to say this. You're, to say you're looking forward to it. That well, you're the one that told me it's a good idea. When I go, we're all going at some point. You're not going well, to No, go
2: no. To I'm forward. aware
3: of that part, but I'm, I'm not oh. looking forward to you going. I'm looking forward to the celebration of your life that you're oh. going to be there
1: for. Nice. Oh i looking man. forward to it. All, all
3: right. right. Well, we got the new opening set for Fort Mac, don't we? Um, <laughs> where, where do we find you today?
1: Where are you today? I am in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. You're in Halifax, are you? Yeah, we, uh, we have two okay. weeks left of shooting, and then uh, we're all wrapped okay. up for season 30, believe it or not. So, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a lot of work this season, and uh, as I said, I'm looking forward to getting back to Calgary and blue skies and sunshine again, you know?
3: So, Halifax, here, th- I've been waiting on this one because I knew you were coming. Eric DeHotchuk is now joining us every second Friday. Oh, cool. And last week, Dahachuk from The Athletic, we were talking about the story going around that the NHL, if they were going to expand, had interest from Houston and from Atlanta. And we're like, wow, good. If a team in Atlanta, that means Quebec City will eventually get a team. That's how this works. Eric said, Can I ask you a question? I said, Sure. He goes, I've been there a lot, I've been watching it. Tell me why Halifax wouldn't work as a potential expansion city. So I mumbled and bumbled my way through a uh, uh, facility, uh, big sponsors. Mr. DeHachik doubled down on that. He's got an article up on the athletic today, the top six cities in which NHL teams should go, including Toronto would be, you know, a second team in Toronto, but Halifax is in there. You're there. Yeah. How crazy far-fetched wild an idea because remember, what you, you would have heard the show. When, when Vegas got on the right, re- you can't put a team in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it'll never work. And yeah. it's a runaway success. I have to take a step back and listen.
1: Could an expansion team work in Halifax? I personally think it could. Halifax is, is known wow. for just getting behind big events here. The the Mm -hmm. world juniors you saw this year. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was insane. They could not get enough of it. They were going to all the games. It wasn't just the Canada games. They were like, no, we want to go see Germany versus Latvia or whatever it was. They didn't care. They're just like, if it's good hockey, if it's at a high level, we're going to go. Moosehead games are very well attended here. People love it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they get out for it. And it's not just Halifax itself. It's people coming from surrounding communities. So they'll come from different areas, Antigonish and Truro and all these other places and they, the rink here, you're right, probably not big enough for an NHL franchise. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they have a rink here that's downtown, everyone goes to the pubs before the games. They spill out into the pubs after the game. You're going to restaurants and stuff. So if they could find the right space for that place where it's central yeah. and, and people can get to that place easily, I have no doubt in my mind that it would work. And I think players would actually love playing here because they know that it means something to the community, that the whole, the whole province would be behind that
3: so tell me about the community tell me about i mean is there i i hate using the word wealth but is there money there that would support it from sponsorships to tickets to all of the ancillary things that go into running a a professional sports franchise because that has been in the past anyway part of the argument about quebec city Mm, all the head offices are in montreal and things like that is there enough but that same conversation was had about winnipeg Yet here we are. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, is, is there that kind of, would there be that kind of backing available?
1: I, I, I think there would be, uh, Halifax is known as the hub of Atlantic Canada. Right. So a lot of, a lot of, um, major corporations are headed here, but also I did a boat tour, um, last fall. Mm-hmm. Boat tour takes you out through the Harbor. You go down this little passage down into the kind of the heart of the city on there with my fiance, and we're just looking and it's like absolute mansions. I mean, like if you took that home and transplanted it into Hollywood Hills, it would still be a mansion. Like gotcha. there's kind of an understated wealth. It's not something that they wear on their sleeve, but like, there's a lot of money in Halifax, you know, there's people who, who are doing pretty well, you know? So I think it would work and I think you would get, you know, businesses from other communities as well looking to buy boxes and looking to 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 entertain customers and those kind of things as well. So I, I think it would I think it would work and I think I think the players would love playing here. I think opposition teams would be excited about coming here because the place would be on wheels. There's no doubt about that. Every game would be an event.
3: International airport?
1: International airport. Yeah. Uh
3: Donaires. Oh uh, wait a minute. What did okay, Donaires,
1: then International Airport. What was I saying? Well, that's what that's what Gary's saying now. I mean, that's that the, 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 the criteria has changed totally. I don't know if, if you've seen what Gary's put out, but you must have a quality sandwich or doner type uh, food right. at an right. international airport. I think if you have those two. You're laughing. I. OK, so then
3: the ultimate question, history, historically or, or whatever, you, what what would the franchise be called? right the kraken went through this they they were the totems at one point there was some salmon incarnations of course they went to the fans and they came up with kraken but yeah. what what if we got a team in halifax what would we call it
1: that's a great question you know i mean they
3: schooners right that was always the cfl if they if they bring a yeah.
1: the atlantic schooners right yeah you know when there's the whole the whole blue nose thing you know mm-hmm. with, the, with the, the boat and stuff so i think you let people get creative let the let the community get into it and, and let them suggest some things. And I think you'd find something that really fits, really feels like it fits the community as well. I don't know if a Newfoundlander is allowed to come in here to Nova Scotia and suggest what they should call their team. You know what I mean, Rob? That's a quick way for you. I think we part. might have just doomed I'm the whole process. It down, Rob, if that happens. We might have just doomed the whole process. What do you mean?
3: We, we, we were talking about it. Yeah, but you're the wrong guy talking about it. We can't yeah. get behind that.
1: <laughs> exactly did you hear trent mcclellan's looking to bring an nhl franchise to halifax yeah he was on that podcast i heard all about
3: damn cbc they're paying their talent too much if he can bring a team here i've got to i gotta get them shut down i can just like see- tax paying dollars are fun and a yeah, hockey our, team now? our oh. tax paying dollars are going to trent mcclellan to buy his own team and ryan reynolds wants to be part of it
1: yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh yeah That's
3: my gosh. What That's i weird. don't know um Okay, but in all seriousness, uh, Quebec City or Halifax first?
1: I think it would be great. I think another Canadian team would be incredible, I I think. It would be great to get this far east. I think that would be amazing for the country as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We've we've seen countless franchise after franchise just go to the U.S., transplant from here and go down to the U.S. It's just – it's old. It's like there are a lot of – places in this country that love hockey and would support it. You just have to give them the infrastructure and help them along the way to make it happen. So it's like, why not Halifax? Why not Quebec city? It's it's well, it's, 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 it's worth a shot.
3: It, but we're having two different conversations, right? Because if, and the NHL now last week has said, no, 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 we're not expanding. And I and I get that. I understand that, but it we've seen the process play itself out. Like they, they planted Seattle as a possible expansion team conversation when, ruins and and vancouver played in 2011 that's the first time i heard of it and then it you know it took six seven years same thing with vegas it gets planted and everything houston's a television market that they've long coveted and dallas is a rivalry atlanta's strictly a television market uh, yep. but has they both have buildings they both have potential owners and so I, I get that that's not what this conversation is about this conversation is about bettering the game and and you know growing the game in our country as it were i i'd love to see both in i I I credit Eric because I had never, ever given that a second thought. But
1: Yeah. And you know what it's like. I mean, I've been to countless Flames games. I've been to other NHL rinks. To me, the real impactful thing is when you see little kids with jerseys on, faces pressed up against the glass during warm-up. Correct. That's that's what it's about. It's about those kids, right? 100%. 100%. It's that experience. It's that like, wow, this is something that's in my backyard. These are the, the players that I idolize. I get to see them in person. Your Connor McDavid's are blowing through. Mm-hmm. Your Crosby's. It's, it's magical. It's absolutely magical for, for adults. But for children, to me, it's like that's that's like Christmas Day for people. You know, so I I would I'd love to see more Canadian cities get that opportunity to give kids that uh, that experience, too. I, I think it's it's something that you, you keep with you the rest of your life.
3: I'm dragging my heels because I, I will eventually get to the local hockey heroes, and I'll let you unload. But you know, I don't want to give away the good stuff early. Go um, GM's I meetings, I can't. Or, make
1: you can't make them. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm not. not again, team. I am not the GM. Of a Halifax franchise. I, I cannot stress the, that enough, the team
3: now fourth known as the Halifax Newfoundlanders, <laughs> owned, owned by owned We're by very George excited, Collins. right? Who just used one year of his CBC paycheck to buy an expansion team. We're Damn. just waiting
1: for the harbor to freeze over. That's gonna be our rank. Every game is gonna be an outdoor classic. Every home game. Every game's a classic. <laughs> Every game's a classic. There's a blizzard tonight. The game is delayed by three hours because we we do have a blizzard and the nets keep blowing over.
3: Um, okay. So as the general manager of the Halifax Newfoundlanders, do you want more video replay? Because they're talking about it. They're talking about replay for player on player. You know, if I hit you and you're on my team and I cut you, but the referee calls the other guy, the other team, they want to be able to clear that up and pucks going over the glass. They want to have a look at those to make sure they're getting the right. Do you want more video replay?
1: I don't know because I don't know where it stops. Like, when do we, when do we eventually go, okay, like you can look at everything. You can challenge everything. It's like the game's going to take seven hours to finish. Right. Like I get it. There's, there's games that sometimes are decided by a blown call or someone misses it, but that's also, that's the human element of the game. Players make mistakes. Referees make mistakes. Linesmen blow calls. It's, it's part of what we do. I think on goals clearly, like you, you want to make sure you get that right. But I think we can, we, can go, we can go to hell with it. And I look at VAR in the Premier League mm-hmm. in, in soccer, mm-hmm. and they go to VAR sometimes, and sometimes they don't go to VAR. So it's like, well, now we're going to have a debate about that, whether or not something should be reviewed or not reviewed. So then that's another debate. So right. I think it's a slippery slope. I think you, you, can, you can go too far down that road, and now we're waiting forever. Momentum is killed in games. It, it's just – I don't know if it's great for entertainment, but I understand the argument the other way too.
3: Well, and, and you know the the reasonable argument is is Hawkeye and tennis, right? That you know they they've really eliminated the the line calls and and you know that judgment call from somebody in a chair. I'm not sure this is the same thing, right? Right. You know, I look at the NFL, who had this spectacular Super Bowl, right up until the last ninety seconds, and then a, a call and replay or whatever, lack of re- whatever, it just ruined it, right? And that's all everybody talks about. And and I you know i'm watching that arizona game last night i kind of feel like i'm watching more of the game in slow motion than i am in, in real time these days right
1: yeah yeah, and you guys are waiting around, checking the screen, looking back. He's trying to read the lips of the players. Like, did you kick it? I mean, I, 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 I like, you know what I mean? We're all trying to figure that out. Well, um, that, I, it's funny you say that because
3: now they are looking at the facial expressions. Oh, he thinks he scored. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. He's, and now you're almost, the players are almost actors now where they just got to act like, yeah, no, I, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't throw that in the net. I, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it in the dressing room when he I didn't in cheer air. loud
3: enough. Make sure he cheers harder. Get on him. <laughs>
1: What was cool, I, I got to go to see uh, Manchester United play Leicester at Old Trafford in England. Uh, oh, complete, wow. Complete, yeah, in February, which was a dream come true for me. Big Bang in the fan. Yeah. What they do over there, when they are doing VAR, there's no screens at Old Trafford for you to see the replay because they know – fans would lose their mind if they get to see it first <laughs> so they don't let fans see it it's like we're just going to look at this little thing here and we'll we'll be with you in a second just trust, trust us it just yeah well we we had a look at it you can wait till you get home like people i go oh yeah that's done for safety reasons because this place would go <laughs> burn to the ground if uh you know seventy three thousand people all get to go that's not awesome at once right. so it was pretty cool Yeah. Well, okay.
3: You, you brought me there. I forgot about it, but you did share on social. Tell me about Old Trafford. What was, Uh, I mean, as was it, that's sometimes the bucket list problem, right? Is it's a bucket list and you get there and you go, Ooh, this place is a dump or, or whatever. Right. What, what was your experience like?
1: I said to somebody, I said, it's very, it's not very often as an adult that you get to feel like a kid again. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a childlike feeling again to walk into Old Trafford, Just to to stand there and take in the immensity of the stadium and, and all the games I'd watched there on television over the course of my life and to now be standing there was surreal to me. Absolutely surreal. And yeah, it's an old building. It's the oldest one in the Premier League. But I like that. I like the history of that. It's mm-hmm. uh, so funny because I don't look at the Saddle Dome the same way. I don't go oh, like, yeah, no. It's like, no. no, it's time. Let's let's demolish this. And build it was a the Wrigley Field for me, like,
3: oh, my yeah. God, this
1: place is so old. Look at it. It's cool. And then you're right. No, it, old you the old, it's time, you know? Yeah. yeah. And Old Trafford was like, this is just a classic, iconic sports facility. And so for me to be there. Also, United put on a show that day. They were flying lots of goals I was six rows from the pitch. I mean, it was just hear players yelling at one another, barking instructions. I mean, to me, it was a full game experience. It was surreal. I absolutely loved it and uh, would love to get back at some point to watch another one. And uh, hopefully I shall before that party that I mentioned that we'll be having.
3: (laughs) Well, maybe we'll hold the party there.
1: Yeah, maybe you should be excited for that, Rob, as opposed to...
3: I'm excited for that party being there. (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I really don't want you to die. I hope you know that. Okay, that's Um, clear. That's been put out there. Okay, how would you compare a Premiership sports experience, sports fan experience, to a North American sports fan experience? I think the NFL, NBA, they're the NHL, they're different, but they're kind of the same, or are they?
1: It's interesting because Old Trafford has a museum within it for Man United, so you get to you can go to the museum, and it's from the start of that team the history, the boots, the jerseys, the players, uh, the Munich air crash they had in 58. They had mm-hmm. luggage from the actual crash itself in the museum. This is all in the stadium. So you get to walk through this historical, you know, beautiful facility. And mm-hmm. then so when you go to the game, you're, you're you're loaded with all this history and emotion. And it just means more. It just does because it's the whole community is getting behind it. And you're, you're getting to see a timeline of everything that not just the sports franchise has been through, but the people have been through who live there, and what they 've experienced and the pain and the hardship and so to me it 's just it 's just a different vibe it 's just a different vibe and to have seventy three thousand people all singing a song for one particular player all at the same time it, it's it 's surreal you know sometimes you go to a flames game and people are like. Just chatting for a bit. And I thought, like, oh, this is okay. so anyway, yeah, I don't know. I'm on Deerfoot for three hours, you know, and, I just, and they check back into the game. It's, it's not like that when you watch a Premier League game. It's well,
3: it just feels like European sports are, are playoff games every game, and North American sports playoffs are great, yeah. but October, November hockey is not, you know, April, May hockey. It's not the same.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, you're playing, you know, you're playing Phoenix on a Tuesday night in February, it's it's not the same juice, right? It's just right. it's just not. It should be, but it's not. And uh and that's the big difference, I think. But I think that that history being built into the building, I think, is a huge part too. To to go let let's tell you what you're about to see and, and the you're gonna be about to see the most current version of that. I'm gonna show you where it started. I think is a really cool touch.
3: Is that going is it gonna be hard for you to go back
1: to at Cofield? No. I can't <laughs> wait for Cavs games. Yeah. I'm happy in the summer, Rob. It's cold beer, hot day down at Atco Field. Cavs come out wearing their reds. Tommy Wheeldon's got them fired up. I'm I'm a happy man when that's okay. when that's going down. So I'll be I'll be there this summer for sure. I
3: just thought maybe now that you've been to the premiership, that you know you might become a snob.
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm never gonna be that guy. I mean, okay. even though I'm the GM now of an NHL franchise. I don't think I'll ever change my stripes, Rob.
3: Well, before. don't change. The GMs that change, those are the hard ones to deal with. But, you, you know, if you can remain grounded as a general manager, that would help. Um, great. Okay, great. speaking of which, going back to the GMs meetings, one more, and then we'll get into the local hockey heroes. Uh, sounds like there was at least some conversation of three-on-three three going from five to seven minutes.
1: Ooh. Pro or, or con? I ask a great question. I love the openness of it. I love that it's basically just two on ones back and forth. Um, I, I'm 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 okay with it. I'm okay with it. I think it's it is high end. I know the Flames have not been great this year, so maybe I have a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. I think you it. use that term incorrectly. <laughs> not sure but that's I, the right term. <laughs> but you're, you're probably right. But um. But I, I think it's I think it's exciting for the fans, it's exciting for the game. I think the players like it. If you're a guy who can skate, if you're on that mm-hmm. third or fourth line, you're probably not getting a lot of minutes, but maybe you do if it's 7 minutes. Maybe you got to use more players. You know, so so maybe you're going to get some ice uh in OT if they go to 7 minutes instead, but it's been it's been entertaining. There's needless to say, but the Flames have not done a good job at it this year. It's just like, that, I don't know why they doubled on that guy last night. Like, why did both of you go to the same guy to try and pick his pocket? And it's like, anyway, I can't go there.
3: <laughs> well, we're going to have to because um, <laughs> this is this is what I was going to ask you about. And this is why I've been, you know, wanting to get you on. You are a, a diehard fan. You live and you die with the wins and the losses. And I know you've got an appreciation for the athletes and the coaches and the managers. This, this season, dude, um, it, in many ways, it's... None like I, I've ever seen before, but somebody made the observation, but it does kind of fit the good season, bad season, good season, bad season that, that mm-hmm. we seem to have seen over the last two or three decades with this club.
1: Yeah. I, and I, and I know people have beat this to death and a lot of people don't want to talk about it. And mm-hmm. we, we've tried to gloss over, but you and I spoke about this over breakfast. It's like when the heart and soul leaves your team in the summer Mm-hmm. I don't know who's bouncing back from that in a year. I don't know who hits the ground running, so to speak, coming back from that. If McDavid and Drysaddle left the Oilers and you replace them with two other players, do they hit the ground running in the following season? You just don't. And I think every Flames fan had a storyline in their head as to what was going to happen. Yep. You lose to the Oilers, devastating. You don't want to lose to your rival. But there was a lot of hope. We got to the second round. You know, uh, we get a few breaks. Maybe, you know, that call, Coleman's goal is a goal. Maybe it's a different outcome, da 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 Yeah. whatever. Yeah. So we're all thinking going into the summer, another year of experience. We finally busted through the second round. Johnny scored the big goal against Dallas. We're thinking, yeah, next year is going to be the next step. And then, boom, it all goes to shit. And Brad did a great job. Don't get me wrong. I think Brad mm-hmm. did a great job. You got to find two new organs. You just lost two organs out of your body. You got to replace them with two yeah. new organs. And he did that job to stop the bleeding. But that's not the same team. This team this year outshoots teams every single night for the most part and can't get goals. Mm-hmm. Last year's team, if they were outshot, they still would have found a way to score five. If they outshoot you by, tw- by 10 shots or 20 shots, you're getting blown out. With yeah. last year's Flames team, yeah. and so I mean, we all act like these players and coaches and general managers are robots, and we're paid to do a job, and we, we show up, and you know, you turn the page and you move on. They're human beings, and, and, and I'm telling you right now, that had to be gutting. And when you're sitting with the position the Flames are right now, where you're out shooting teams most nights, you can't help but think about that. About the two guys who walked out the door, mm-hmm. and I'm not blaming the two guys that came in. I think they've been good off and on at different times, but that is not the same hockey club as we had last year. It's just not. And so I, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. Cause it's been the most frustrating thing to watch. Like I, the game ended last night and I just swore and just turn the TV off. That's what I've done 40 times this year. Swear, turn the TV off. I don't wait for the highlight. I don't I just, I'm done.
3: Right. Right. Um, to me, uh this the goal tending has been perplexing. the one goal losses have been perplexing it's just it's all fixable though Trent like I mean, are you throwing the baby without uh, out with the bat- i mean this isn't a rebuild at this point, right
1: no, no, I don't think it's a rebuild but i I'm not surprised by this season. I think okay. we if i'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think we came out of the gate swinging right I think we were like yeah. five and one or something or Something along those lines, and people were like, Whoa, wow, these guys are going to fit in great, and it's right. going to just pick up where we left off. Uh, that wasn't reality, right? Right. And no one could have predicted Markstrom's swings this year. I don't know where he went or what was going on, right? Obviously, you know, he's a new dad, there's a lot of stuff going on. We don't know, you know, all the details of someone's life and personal life, but um, offense has been hard to come by, and yep. it's it defeats you as a team when you're out shooting another team and you're looking up at the scoreboard and you're down to, they've blown a lot of leads this year as well. Whereas last year that would not have happened if they got it to three, one, it's going to be five, one, it's going to be six, one yeah. you know? And so I, I don't think it's a lack of effort. I think the effort's been there every single night. I think they want to work hard. I think they're trying to do the right things, but when you're not scoring and the guys who should be scoring, are not consistent right. doing that. And your goaltending is not consistent, right. you get inconsistent team play. And, uh, that's what this Flames team has been this year.
3: It, it's a little frustrating to say the least. Um, hey, I just want to talk to my producer, Gavin. Our next guest is uh, kind of wandering around outside. So if we can get uh, Mark or somebody just to go see if they can poke their head outside and see if they can find Cheryl. I can't email her right now. I'm busy because I'm talking to my buddy Trent. Thank you. Appreciate
1: see? it. Hey? hey, right. Exactly. 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 No, um, Left, you know.
3: Okay, well, well, you, you you got the GM's meetings and all that,
1: right? I do have to, I do have to make those. That's a big one. We've have uh, got to pitch that Donair because we're going to have the, the Donair Dome is where we're going to Donair Dome
3: is donair. where the, the Halifax yeah. Newfoundlanders are going to play. they
1: Are going to play? yeah. So it's tickets are on sale tomorrow morning. So <laughs> just got to get the website up. I was going to say you need to build. We need to let you go. You need to build a website. I had a lot of stuff I got to get done between now and tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, all right, just one l- last one on your – what do you want to see the rest of the way? I mean, they're not technically out of it, but last night didn't help. Uh, what do you yeah. want to see as a fan the rest of the way from the, the local hockey heroes?
1: I, I would just like to see guys do the thing that they're paid to do. You know, If you're, you're a guy who, who's paid to score it, it's time to start putting some pox in the net. If you're a guy yeah. who's paid to stop pox, then do that. If we don't make it, we don't make it but let's go down doing what it is we're paid to do. And I think then you can look in the mirror and go, oh, okay, we, we got off to, we had those blips in the road and, yep. uh, you know, it was too much ground to make up. But uh, it, if it ends this way, it's going to be a long summer. It's going to be a long summer. And they don't look like a group that's having fun. I think the injection of youth into the team has helped. I think peltry has mm-hmm. been a great thing for that, for enthusiasm and, and for everyone else having fun again. I think they need more of that. Um, but it's time for guys to, to start delivering, and then you see where the cards fall. But uh, the sad thing about it is, if they made the playoffs, I think they could be that team that nobody would want to play. They, they'd be dangerous. Markstrom gets hot, but you got to get there, and you got to earn the right to get there. You can't lose to Chicago's. You can't lose to Ottawa's. No. You, you can't and be a playoff team. And, no, um,
3: I, you know, I, I've said it all year long. I, I look at this team, and I, I don't, there's not one time where I've ever felt sorry for them and said, oh my God, they're overmatched. I, I look at them and go, geez, they're not, you know, you saw them against Boston, but in the most Calgary Flames way, they lost in overtime. And they, that was a game as I've seen that team play at home against a world-class opponent. And it just, what, it, it feels like somebody, felt like somebody kind of borrowed up against their luck. You know, Hey, if yeah. you give me this, it doesn't matter to me if we win next year, you know, and, and you know, yeah. somebody got something out of this that we're now
1: paying for exactly and all in and and like the amount of posts and crossbars it's just like is this real right yeah nope uh it's a challenge
3: to say the least um anything you want to plug there's the standings by the way you want to plug the standings let's plug the standings uh flames yeah while we got the standings up um who are you taking in the expansion drafts now that you look at these rosters
1: oh dear lord
3: I mean, obviously McDavid, right? You'd take McDavid.
1: What I would, would take it? McDavid if he's left. Yeah. If he's left Unexpected. exposed, I would, I would take him. Okay. Um, who are you take him from Calgary in the expansion draft. Oh, wow. Like, who do you think would be unprotected? Like, who do you, who do you think right would, now? Yeah. Everybody except Pelche? Backlund? Everybody I, except Backlund I, and Pelche?
3: Lindholm is as well? Lindholm Anderson? Un- Anderson?
1: No. Yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's the other thing. I don't even you know. How did you get Richie? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure who- which one, but. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, you, you trade the brothers and you see what happens. You know, you keep your house. I'll stay there and vice versa. Right. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's that's such, such a weird thing because even when you look at those expansion drafts or a possible <laughs> trade, it's like, who's impressed this year that another team would go, yeah, yeah, we'll. We'd like to, yep. to throw some assets at that. It's like no one's really had. Toffoli, I guess, has had a pretty good year, but it, it. Other than that, it's been everyone's been up and down. It, there's been right. no consistency at all. So right. it, frustrating, frustrating. Uh,
3: what's next for you? You mentioned uh, one more week
1: on this hour. One, yeah, we have two more shows left. Okay. Um, it's about a week and a half. I have to host the East Coast Music Awards this year. Oh, um, you do. It was what critch said now nah, i don't want to
3: do it give it to mcclellan he'll do it's it like i
1: got too many things going on man hey, can you take the keys to this so i was like oh, okay uh, i gotta host the halifax comedy festival as well just days before that oh of course you do and i got uh, the two tour dates left after that so st john's newfoundland on may 6th and mm-hmm. uh, yeah fort mcmurray alberta on the uh, 27th so and then i'm officially done like i have no more working commitments uh for the rest of the summer and that's that's it. So that's
3: when we can plan the celebration of life. That's when the celebration
1: of, a celebration of the life I still have. Uh, <laughs> which
3: we assume is gonna go on for a long time. But well, that's we- what I mean. Why do you gotta wait till till you know we're if you were on one of those boat tours, right, looking at the mansions in Halifax, and a silly seal grabbed you by the scruff of the neck and pulled you under, and you drowned in a boat tour by a seal. We would all feel terrible that we never got a chance to say goodbye, and exactly. that we love you.
1: Exactly, and I mean those killer seals—they're out there, and I mean no one's talking about it. And I, I think we we got to start talking about they, it.
3: Wrong. They
1: should be talking about it. They should be. Well, maybe that we just we just found the name of the Halifax franchise, the How Halifax Killer seals. Killer Seals. There you go. Gun I'm ready for fun. my meeting. I'm ready right. for my meeting. Now you can build the website. <laughs> Check out killer absolutely dot to
3: com absolutely tomorrow absolutely <laughs> um always a pleasure, sir um I just want to take a moment here though because you referenced it a couple of times and and that and and our next guest is lost and calling me and I can't answer on the air um, that you mentioned a couple of times we did have a breakfast and i i I want to just publicly acknowledge this man, and he is not just a pretty face. He's not just a funny man. He's not just the general manager of the Halifax Killer Seals. He's truly one of the good human beings I know, and we had probably the most extraordinary adult male conversation.
2: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind.
3: history of extraordinary adult male conversations. And I want to tip my hat, sir. It meant a lot to me. It helped me in so many ways. And I look at you as a a beacon out there of hope and a guy who gets it. So Trent, thank you so much for making some time for us today. Continued success. We'll see you when you get here. We'll get you in studio if you can find it right now. That apparently is a bit of an issue, uh, but I really do appreciate this, pal. Thank you.
1: Thank you, my friend. And thanks for having me on. And uh, you're back where you belong, man. Talking to the people, sharing your thoughts, talking sports, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm happy for you.
3: Okay. Thanks Trent.
1: Take care, bud.
3: You bet. Trent McClellan, everybody. All right. So here's the quandary. Um, there's some construction. The guy's probably, uh, this, (laughs) um, do you guys mind if I just send a text here right now? Because Cheryl's walking around and she can't find the place, but part of that, you probably heard courtesy of our friends on the barn burner that um, there's a lot of construction right now. So the road is all messed up. So I'm not surprised and I should you know what? I started off this show. It has been a rough go. Um, So we are next to the hair place on the second floor.
1: Next to a dog groomer. I have, and
3: our good friend Princey's out there looking. That's the problem. And I can't get a hold of him. Maybe Gav can give him a text that we've we've made contact here. So I'm going to send a text. Uh, I have a guy out front looking. Still, not the weirdest thing I've ever done mid-show. <clears throat> so anyway, we'll send that. Um, and hopefully we'll get... Cheryl hooked up. Uh, Oodle Noodle Studio, that's where we are. Local Love Delicious. Since opening their first store back in 2005, Oodle Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird. Two locations here in Calgary, 1244 17th Street Ave, uh, or 17th Street Southwest Ave, 17th Street Ave. Okay, let's try this one more time. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest. How about that? 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Pick up and delivery um, do, 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 do. Uh, i again i'm I'm back here checking something. Let me just now I have to figure out where I am. This is great radio, well, it's not radio right it's streaming um but I am just gonna type something in here, and we're gonna get our guest it's this is how it works um, boom, boom 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 boom, okay, there we go. No, nope. wrong. There we go. No, I, I, I'm all good, Gav. I just, uh, she has the wrong address, so she's not even close to here. Um, so that's, again, who's got the big butterfingers? I do. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I got the big butterfingers. Oh, speaking of butterfingers, local, uh, today's reading assignment, that just went out on Twitter a couple of minutes ago. This one's a good one. Uh, comes from the Denver Post. Uh, and it's written by uh, Parker Gabriel Broncos retaining linebacker, Alex Singleton with three year deal on first day of negotiating period, former stamp and uh CFL. Great for all of what two seasons guys. Amazing. Alex Singleton, uh, one of the nicest human beings. One of the guys that you pull for um, just uh, was, you know, Awesome when he was here. Uh, played a little bit for the Eagles last year with the Broncos. And he finally gets rewarded. Was a special teams player to start last year. Wasn't even starting games. Uh, GM's calling him a baller now. Uh, not only does he get a three-year deal, he gets $9 million of that guaranteed. It's not quarterback money. But for a guy, uh, <clears throat> um, we, uh, a guy that... <laughs> we can't do it by phone. Uh that's all right. All right. There we go. He um he's done it the right way. And not not all Canadian or not all CFL players going south of the border um make it not all CFL players go south and and have it work out. Some do with varying degrees of success. Cam Wake stayed for a long time. Um you know on and on that goes, but really happy for Alex Singleton cuz again we got to know him a little bit here in Calgary and um was you know was important to um it was imp- as important to the organization uh off the field as he was on the field. Great leader um great community ambassador, uh, does, funny enough, uh, for our next guest who's on our way right now. Don't worry about it. Um, we're, we're working through this stuff, guys. We'll get there. Um, just, you know, works for special Olympics, um, is active on social, has remained actively supporting, uh, the Stampeders and the CFL product since he left. Uh, it's just was so exciting for a lot of people to hear that, uh, you know, again, Football is a different sport, lack of guaranteed contracts, but you know, he's getting 9 million guaranteed. That's a, a paycheck. He would have never gotten here in the CFL. Um, good on him. Uh, love the kid. Uh, hope he does well. They love him in, in, uh, in, uh, Denver. Um, yeah. So I thought that that's a good one. So if you want good article by Parker Gabriel, From the Denver Post, talks so get some quotes in there. Um, Obviously, you know Singleton's really excited, and I know he's got a lot of friends still up here that are going to be really, really, really excited. A couple things that are going on uh, we should make mention of: Flames are off until tomorrow when they take on Vegas. The World uh, World Cup of Baseball, World Baseball Classic. How about we go with the World Baseball Classic Um, underway? Canada and Mexico, Uh, both teams come into this two and one. Um, Canada yesterday with a, a five, nothing victory, uh, over Colombia. um, the Mexicans last night, uh, this is crazy. They played last night at eight o'clock our time, uh, against great Britain. And then, you know, started this game at one o'clock our time this afternoon against Canada. But, you know, that is the way this works. So both teams with two and one records, obviously the winner of this is going to advance. Uh, the U S is in the same position. Um, no Freddie Freeman. Freddie uh, feeling a little tightness, uh, I believe in his quad uh, or his thigh, um, so they've uh, shut him down uh, at least for now. He is uh, not going to isn't in this game today, uh, which is a uh, a blow obviously for Canada. But uh, my understanding is with the rules being the way they are, um, he has to uh, they, or Canada I should say can't replace him on the roster until the next round. So just one more to game, one more to game to go. But no Freddie Freeman, which is obviously a a threat, a bat and a leader, uh, that Canada could use in this event. So he won't be playing, um, in this one, um, hopefully he comes back. Uh, but I would imagine there's a whole lot of Dodgers fans that are just thankful and hopeful that he's going to be ready for the start of their season. And that, that, that's kind of the craziness. And we talked a little bit about this. It's, you know, you look at all these best on best competitions and, and this best on best competition, um, just doesn't. You know just doesn't work the way that the pitching is all restricted the the players they can't go all out um I think at the end they get pretty close to the right teams winning I think at the end we've seen the you know the japans and and the united states and and you know the powers that I think we all accept are and baseball you know eventually get to the end of it but um you know and I, and i if you ask me i Outside of stopping baseball like the NHL did with the Olympics and and creating a two week window in July around the All Star Game and saying okay we're going to have the World Baseball Classic now, I I just don't know of a scenario in which uh, the way that you um, manage pitchers now, the way that you manage even your you know your premier hitters and your premier premier positional players, I just don't know if you could ever have a uh, lay it on the line balls out best on best competition. Um, and we talked about basketball can do that in the Olympics. And I think the dream team has has shown that, but they've also shown how dominant they are. Um, there is no, you know, real football, uh, sorry, American football, Canadian football, North American football, obviously the world cup. And I, I don't think anybody would ever suggest that teams don't try in that, that, but the sport is built around that. It's the it's the cadillac of best on best competitions um you know in the nhl the olympics i think it's hard to you know hard for many of us uh now in canada i think we enjoy the olympic best on best maybe more than anybody else does maybe the european teams do too uh, I don't think the Americans, certainly I know from an ownership side and a management side, I don't think they have the same attachment uh, to the best-on-best best tournament that uh, we do in this country. But I don't think any of us would argue that that when it's right, the Olympics are the best-on-best uh, best, best tournament, obviously. We have the issue with the Russians right now and, and not being allowed to play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty good. Like, it's pretty good. World Cup's the class. I think the World Cup, you know, is built, The football is built around the World Cup that way. Baseball, it's good. I think you can have moments. I think you can have, you know, spurts. But, um, you know, you look at some of these lines that are coming out, some of these boxes that are coming out. And, um, you know, as Mark came back, he was out looking. Cheryl, Cheryl went to the wrong address, Mark. We're good. Okay, so she'll be here in a couple of minutes. Um, But, you know, you look at the box scores and stuff like that. Now, probably saying to yourself, but, Rob, baseball doesn't look like how baseball used to look. That's true. That's true. Um, Having said that, it has its moments. There is no doubt that the World Baseball Classic has its moments. Tomorrow, um, the Calgary Flames are in Vegas. Do want to tip my hat to the Vegas uh, Golden Knights Foundation. They hold a 51-49, I guess, different than a 50-50. I'm not sure who gets the 51 and who gets the 49, but they have a 51-49. The proceeds tomorrow uh, in the game against Calgary will go to fight ALS in honor of Flames' assistant general manager, Chris Snow. So thought that was a real classy move on behalf of the the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think hockey has certainly rallied around the cause of the Snows and, and um, you know, have, have everywhere they go um, have been recognized and appreciated. Um, we will have uh, Kelsey Snow joining us on Monday in studio. Um, I will doubly make sure she has the right instructions. Um, but uh, looking forward to that. Ryan Pike on Monday as well. And coming up on Friday... Danny Austin is going to be your host. I will be in Ottawa with a superheroes team. I will join you in our number two. Just a reminder, we are live today from the Oodle Noodle Studio. We're not just crazy about noodles. We put the same energy back into the community. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North Airdrie, pickup and delivery. Well, after I sent her on a wild goose chase, we're very excited that our very special guest can join us. Uh, she needs no introduction, although I'll give her one. Uh, President and CEO of Canada Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, we'll get into this part in a second. Uh, you know her and love her from TSN as a curling analyst, two time Olympian and Olympic silver medalist. And she is the co chair of the Special Olympics Canada Winter Games coming to Calgary 2024. Cheryl Bernard, kind enough to join us in studio today. Um, sorry that's all i can say is sorry
0: well it wasn't quite all your fault i had the wrong address some i had parts of it right not all of it
3: no and and the part <laughs> of it was you were calling and i'm looking and I'm, I'm i'm going i would love to answer this phone but i'm i'm busy, and I'm busy. but enough. you got here that's all that matters and thank you Only for being for you here for oh wow, well, i up. i appreciate <laughs> that um well, okay briar scotty's just happened but you didn't happen.
0: Where were you? Oh, I, you know, I stepped back this year. I just, my role at the hall of fame and doing TSN and you're on the road for Mm -hmm. two months almost at a time. So I had the best seat. I sat on the couch and watched it like everybody else. and It was really good.
3: What was it like watching and not being there? What, what, what did you have to shut off first?
0: yeah the the analyst side right yeah. to to call but you know my husband's a curler so both of us will sit and watch games and go back and forth on you know i do this and i do this so it actually felt like i was sitting in the booth with russ and and Vic, and you know i don't miss the travel but i do miss them and, mm-hmm. and the people of sure. curling that's the hard part but it was good we had some uh i was cheering hard for alberta uh botcher cooey i i hoped for one of them but um very impressed with Dunstone. That was, uh, he's an amazing, he's the future of curling and it right. was really nice to see.
3: And it's, it's important in tournaments like DeBriere in, in the Scotties that you do see the future, right? Well,
0: you, you do. And I mean, even Carrie Anderson's team, their run to have gone through how many Canadian championships and another chance at a world. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, curling's in a good place in this country. So it's really nice for me to be able to sit back and just watch it.
3: It is in a good place. It is. I mean, I say that with surprise. I, I, I never even thought to ask, but give me a give me your thermometer on it. What? Is, where are we at with the sport right
0: yeah, now? Yeah, I mean, I think my concern would be we're starting to see some players retire earlier than I think they should, and mm-hmm. I think it's because we we have a system that chases points, so you're on the road nonstop. I mean, I probably retired earlier than I shouldn't. You didn't even push as hard back in 2014 as they are now, right? So I do think that has to be looked at. Um, We've brought in, or I say we, but Curling Canada has brought in David Murdoch as a high-performance director of curling from Scotland, and I think he's going to look at it differently, and maybe we can kind of stop that points chasing that we tend to do and try to you know, pace ourselves. If you looked at the two teams that won this year, Kerry Anderson and Brad Gushu, Mm -hmm. they did not play hard. They didn't have to. They were Team Canada. And they come in rested, they come in ready to play, excited to play, they're not burnt out. So I, I think you need to look at that a lot and say, maybe there's a model there that we need to to emulate.
3: Interesting that someone from somewhere else comes to run Canadian curling, because that's not, it used to, not used to be, but a lot of times it's the other way, right? The Canadians are exported to run other uh, federations. Uh, it, why? Why?
0: It's I think the success of of the Scottish curling program. It's okay. been incredible, and um, you know, David's wife's from Canada, mm-hmm. so I, yeah, I mean, yeah. he is he's got a lot of connections here. He's played against the very best in Canada for years and years, and and maybe sometimes that outside perspective is what you need. Maybe, maybe it's just to we do the same things over and over. Yeah. It's the same people. I, I do love kind of the bringing somebody else in that has some new insights, some ideas, and they're not afraid of, and the relationships aren't all, are, aren't all established. And so you can kind of make some changes and you're not really stepping on any toes.
3: Having said that, do we owe some credit to those who've come before that have taken the knowledge elsewhere that, you know, it used to be that if Canada went to a world championships, if they lost, like, no, 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 we're Canada. But now some of those lo- you know, sometimes they're, they're losing to the countries. You go, all right, well, I didn't even know they
0: played. Yeah,
3: um, Is the international game better than it used to be.
0: And that's a great point. Um, You know, I think a lot of times we go, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong as a country? Well, what are the other countries doing really well? Right. They have been quietly behind the scenes, all the Asian countries. You look at, you know... Italy, I mean, Italy's got a great men's team now, and they have been quietly getting better and better. And they've been, you know, hiring our Canadian coaches, Mm -hmm. and they've been learning from us, and they've been learning from Scotland. And so suddenly, it's not really, it's hard when you're the the guy at the top of the mountain. I Mm -hmm. think that's how the best analogy, people are always figuring out ways to get to the top of the mountain. But when you're up there, are you chasing and so I think this is a really unique way to see other countries and they've really followed along and tried to learn from us and get better and they have
3: what about junior ranks what about what are you hearing you know at the youth level are are we able to recruit are we able to make a compelling case to choose curling as a a sport or as an activity for the youth
0: you know, I think that's tough. I think there's so many options for youth, so many sports, so many things they're exposed to. And how does curling stand out amongst everything, hockey and right. soccer? And 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 so, I mean, it's great because it's not an expensive sport. Um, but I think we have to find a way to show youth that the time commitment can balance with school. You don't have to give up everything for curling. I think mm-hmm. that's always been kind of the you know, I ran a business while I competed at a high level. I uh, had, a, everybody has jobs. I mean, there's not many of us that were funded full-time by, by curling. Yep. So I think we have an opportunity to show people coming up in the ranks to say, Hey, you can still have a life, mm-hmm. but you can still get to an Olympics. And that's a really big attraction to our sport.
3: Since we've gone down this path, let me ask you, and, and you're acutely aware of the where the question comes from, is there an opportunity or is there work being done to, bring curling to non-traditional markets
0: there is there's a lot of work there's a lot of work in um, the diversity Mm -hmm. Um, you know we when you look across the curling landscape it's very white and so I think there's a lot of concern that you know there's newcomers coming to this country there's a lot of different individuals that haven't had exposure to the game because for most of us it's because our parents played so we played yep And that doesn't happen when you come from other countries. So there's a lot of work. I know Curling Canada is doing a great job to try to expose schools and youth across the country to curling Mm -hmm. and and change that landscape.
3: All right. Let's uh, talk about something very exciting. Um, You are the co-chair, correct? I am. For the Special Olympics Canada Winter Games 2024. When does this get on your radar? How does one get recruited to be a (laughs) co-chair?
0: yeah yeah how does one learn to say no to something (laughs) okay that's yeah yeah no it this was something i mean i get asked to be involved in a lot of community projects and i have to say this was one that there was no chance i was ever going to say no to it um you know tourism calgary i'm part of their board okay i'm i'm a huge fan of tourism calgary for what they do for the city and the businesses in it Mm -hmm. and they came to me and said would you be interested your background in sport and media and everything else just seemed to fit yeah and I said I would, but we have to have a rock star co chair. And so we, uh, we went down that path and, uh, Francois was the choice of co chairs to, you know, work alongside of me. Um, he's a great community minded leader. And so we've got a great team. And then our games team is, it's incredible. The three individuals that are basically running these games yeah. are, are, They're going to do an amazing job.
3: Well, I'm a big Karen Domey fan. She is. Yeah, I've known Karen for a long time and she's a rock star. And and this is a a stepping stone for her. Having said that, what do you and Francois do to help her and, and help move this event forward?
0: You know, I think what we've really, we've talked about is just stay out of her way. I mean, we're there for guidance and we're there for uh, connections into the community. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big piece of what we play. She knows what she's doing in the space of games and and she knows how to run this. And I think a lot of times we're just going to be cheerleaders along the side and governance, you know, can we help with an issue? Um, how are we doing with sponsorships? I think that's a big piece that Francois and I are playing in that sponsorship area. So um, they they've got this, and and we're going to make sure they've got a lot of support to get there.
3: I, I may not have made a lot of friends at, at Calgary Tourism when I uh, started the show a month ago because one of the first things I said coming out of the gate is, we are all the heroes? Where are the Frank Kings? Where are the the people that that want to bring things to our city? That it felt to me like for a long time we've just kind of been on the outside looking in." This to me is a positive, right? This is a start down that path. I think we've seen some other things in the last couple of weeks that make me feel like there are heroes out there. But for those who may not be familiar with this event, give us a little sense of the scope.
0: I mean, it's the 2024 Special Olympic Winter Game. So and, and the teams that the athletes that will compete in these games, they've been training for months, if not years to come here. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, close to 13 other hundred athletes will compete in eight different sporting events. Curling is one of them, I might say, and I'm very proud to say that. Um, You know, I think for people who have never been to a Special Olympics Games, you need to be there. You need to attend it. You need to see the joy and what having the ability to play a sport does for an individual with an intellectual disability. Um, You know, I have been involved uh, for many years, since 2014. I, I was an ambassador for Goodwill, and that was working with individuals with intellectual disabilities and seeing what the dignity of a job did for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I met some incredible special Olympic athletes that worked for Goodwill and the change in them from the beginning to a year down the road after a job sport is the same thing. It provides them the ability to be included, um, to be part of the community, to have people cheer them on. I, I just, and, and, you know, we, we talk about volunteers. I get so excited about this event because there's so many facets of it. It's mm-hmm. to come and watch and cheer on. There's also the opportunity when you look at volunteering and yeah. it'll change you. Volunteering at one of these events, I promise you will walk away and be a different person. You yeah. you know that.
3: Yep. Yeah. And well, and that is part of my, you know, crying about, meeting needing more events. 88 established us as the world leader in volunteerism we we set the you know it's 35 years ago and not to say we don't have great we have fantastic volunteers but something like this particularly for younger folks this is their opportunity to see what it means to welcome the rest of canada to your city as a volunteer tell us about the volunteers, how many do you need and and again, scope is that word, I guess oh
0: so well, volunteers, it was exciting because we had the meteor announcement around the games a week and a half ago, yep. and at that time, we announced that the platform was open for the games, and we were looking for volunteers to sign up, and we were also continuing to look for a few more sponsors and Within a week, 500, we need 750 volunteers. We had 500 volunteers sign up. And even today I got an email from a group that was saying we have nine, 10 of us that would love to volunteer. Mm -hmm. How can we get involved? Can we sponsor? I mean, the excitement around this, to your point, Rob, our city needs this. Right. I I wish we had more of it. Right. But it's coming. I can promise you if I put my tourism Calgary hat on events that are coming in the future, um, we're getting there. I think COVID, impacted everybody. Sure did. Um, sure did. But I can see so much excitement for this city and we're so proud and I, I think, you know, there's going to be a long line. The 2024 Scotties is coming in February next year. Right. So it, it's building. Uh, it just takes, I didn't realize how much work it takes to get these events. There's so many cities vying for them. It's incredible. Well, I, uh,
3: you don't just throw your hand in the air and go, yeah, we'll do it. I mean, uh, you know, we've been down this path and, and we, we can come back and talk about you know Calgary in a second, but I, I am. To me, this is a really interesting time for this event because I think if it's evolution is the right word, but we are becoming better at recognizing the work that these athletes and their coaches put in. We are better recognizing that this is competition. This isn't just oh, isn't that nice? Isn't it? No. You qualify to come here. You are part in. This is legitimate competition okay. for the right reasons, right?
0: Like ours. I, I mean, I just feel, I understand the work they put in mm-hmm. to get there. I mean, going to an Olympic games myself, I know the, you know, sweat, blood and tears and family commitment. And and for a lot of these individuals, their families are a bigger part of it than probably ours were. Yes. They, they have to be there. They have to support them. We were fortunate enough, our games team to go up to the opening of the provincial yes. special <clears throat> Olympic games and the passion when these teams walked in and how excited they were to compete and play on a, a level playing field with all of the other cities that mm-hmm. were going to be in attendance from around uh, Alberta was, it's incredible to see. And they're there to compete. There's nothing mm-hmm. else happening. They're there to compete. When they're done, they'll cheer each other on. But it is about competition and the hard work.
3: Yeah, it, there's a purity to it, right? right? There really is a purity to it. Um, through our superheroes program, we had a couple of uh, players go up and compete. And, and one Harrison came back. He was bowling and his mom said tell coach rob tell coach rob about your your experience and i said what did you what did you do how did it go oh i had chocolate cake what yeah i had chocolate cake it was great tell him about your medal. oh i got a silver medal (laughs) like it was just the best right like out of the mouth of babes right there's a purity to that competition they they go and they try and they you know and we have better uh, perfect. We have better representation. I think of Chris Sutter and and uh, what he's been able to do to bring attention to the work that these athletes do. The Calgary Booster Club for recognizing a Special Olympian every year as an award winner. I think there's a a, a, sociolog- um, a societal conversation to be had about what we can do to recognize everybody's you know participation in sport.
0: Well, and I think, you know, one of the big conversations we had around these games is what is the legacy going to be? You know, what, what do we leave? We don't want to leave a statue and we don't want to leave a building. Mm -hmm. What could we leave as a legacy? And all of us came together and agreed that what we wanted to do is create awareness for hiring individuals with intellectual disabilities, creating a more inclusive Calgary and Alberta. Mm -hmm. Um, Why, why is there not more opportunities for you or I to pick up the phone and say, how do I do this? Right. Um, you know, I, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I golf at a golf course in Calgary called Mm -hmm. silver Springs and there is a gentleman there, Josh, and he, they hired Josh about five years ago and Josh wouldn't say a word. He's a special Olympic athlete in golf Mm -hmm. and wouldn't say kept his head down. You know, five years later, I went golfing with Josh this last summer and it was an incredible opportunity. I see him out every men's night now golfing with the men. Mm -hmm he's come out of his shell. And it's the, again, we talk about the inclusive feeling, the dignity of a job, what sports does for your life. It's, It's allowed him to be part of the community. And that's just such an incredible thing to see.
3: But Josh, isn't the outlier. That's, that's the outcome.
0: Right. Right.
3: And we've got to get past that. And so the legacy of this, so the legacy of this games will be to create opportunities in the workforce that, you know, we could talk about 88 and the, you know, the, legacy that it left. Right. But three years from now, we'll be looking at employment opportunities for Special Olympians that maybe weren't here before. That's the goal.
0: Exactly. That's, That's amazing. The goal. It's it's to create more awareness around hiring individuals with intellectual disabilities. It's um having counselors available through uh, different organizations that do this professionally, yeah. but more of them available. So you or I can pick up a phone and figure it out.
3: Right. Um eight sports seven venues. Yes. Spread out uh really representative of calgary and i'm i'm happy to see my friend wayne and the and seven chief sportsplex satana is going to play host to a couple of events
0: it is there's you know so many of the venues stepped up Uh, the olympic oval stepped up Mm -hmm. wind sports part of it um the nutrient center the big four there's going to be some opening and closing ceremonies The, the most important thing when we were up in um When we were up in Alberta, or in Edmonton, uh, Edmonton, in Strathcona? Yeah, yeah. Strathcona, when we were up there. Uh, we, We talked to some of the athletes and said, What is the most important thing to you? What is the most important thing in these games beyond competing? And they said, the athlete dance at the end of the event, it's really important. So that's one of the things, that's our other outcome from these games, is that we want to make sure we put on the best games for these athletes. And if part of that is making sure that athlete's dance at the very end of this event is the very best they've ever had, we're going to make sure it happens.
3: Let's talk about support. I I do know that the Flames Foundation has has uh, stepped up. Um, who else do we need to tip our hat to? And, and where else can people help? I mean, where do you need help?
0: Yeah, no, um... I have to say right away, uh, Francois Poirier, um, mm-hmm. CEO of TC Energy. Yep. He stepped up, but just not in a monetary way. TC Energy is one of our premier sponsors, but they're also all of their staff. Uh, employee engagement is incredible. So they're stepping up as volunteers to the game, which has been a big piece for us. And uh, you talked about the Flames. They were in within minutes. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be involved in this. It's important to them. Yep. Uh, we talk about Evans Hunt. They stepped up as well. Uh, Blake's law firm and a lot of their, their partners in law have stepped up. They want to be part of it, volunteering, donating, you know, we've just had some tourism Calgary. I mean, they're putting a significant amount into supporting and bringing this event here. So they're going to make sure it's successful. We all are. So we still are looking for a few more uh, sponsors at the, the, um, the platinum level and that's a hundred thousand and then we've got a couple lower levels from there but we've got probably four or five left that we want to so we're looking for sponsors that are interested to talking uh, to us about supporting these games
3: yeah and it, it this is a big budget i mean you don't have to give me a number but my understanding is we're not
1: <laughs> no. this is
3: a significant investment in and you know obviously we'll reap the benefit but this is a you know you need that help.
0: We do. It's yeah. it's important. I mean, to put on games like this, these are big, big games. These are not small events. Yeah. So we need them. And so that's the biggest piece.
3: If I am correct, 2025 would be the world winter games. Is that correct? Are yes. These athletes? In Turin. In Turin.
0: Yes. In Italy.
3: Is, again, is that aspirational? Is this a, could this be considered somewhat of a test run? Could this be, you know, something that sets us up down the road for something else
0: oh for sure i i think it could be something we could look at if we host these games well is there an opportunity to host a world games i mean i i I don't want to say this out loud and now it's being recorded but i would put my hand up for that you know and i think Mm. so many will after seeing something like these winter games
3: yeah no it's it's exciting um so you're out of volunteer spots, or you still need
0: volunteers? No, we still need. We're probably about uh, 250 volunteers still that we need. To okay, have. okay. So we okay. we still have um, doors open for that, and we're absolutely, uh, you know, ready. the The web platform is available. People can go on and sign up, and uh, all the information is on there as well.
3: Okay, and that's Special No, that's
0: 2024.
3: Oh. <laughs> yes okay uh,
0: Calgary Special Olympics
3: there we go okay and they can go and and they get the portal and, yes. and everything okay um what does it do now for the athletes in Calgary for the next year having it and, and the reason I'm asking this is you know and I've mentioned this to you before the word was that you know you always wanted to go to the briar but never the briar in your hometown <laughs> um how exciting is it going to be for these young athletes knowing that they're going to not only compete but host
0: Right. Oh, I- I mean, to be a home athlete and you're, I mean, you're, you're the fan favorite here. And I think, uh, you know, I think the lead up, I'm hoping our media team will use a lot of these athletes to promote the games. I mean, why not? Mm -hmm. They're they're so excited about them. They're the best spokespeople you could actually have out there talking to the games. So I think it's going to be great for them to be the home team effectively and, and be the home province and, and we can show them a lot of support and profile their sports and what they do to get ready and prepare for these games.
3: Talked about sponsors, we've talked about volunteers. What about fans? Is this a, uh, you know, uh, or do we know? Is this an event or... Is this a games that is available to fans? You buy tickets to uh, that sort of thing?
0: Absolutely. Fans are welcome to all the events to cheer the athletes on. We're even going to start in September promoting the games into schools. So we're going to try and get a lot of the schools to come down and watch this, like to see what special Olympics is, Mm -hmm. to see what it does, to see how these athletes compete. Um, Why not expose youth in our city to all of that? So we're going to really work hard to kind of go out and get the schools involved across the city.
3: Well, I believe in kids. Um and I have a sneaking suspicion if you get the schools there it's going to be bonkers because <laughs> they are going to get behind the athletes and it is going to be insane.
0: I and I love it. You know even when we would be an athlete at the Briar or the Scotties, um, mm-hmm. I was never at the Briar, but at the Scotties and you get the school kids coming in to cheer and they cheer and they love it and they're so excited and it's you know it's pure joy. So I I hope we do get a lot of engagements from the schools because I think it's important.
3: What are the dates? So 20, 27th the second. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. Okay. February. Okay. So it's a, basically, it's a one week event. It is. With how many athletes coming into
0: 1,300 town? athletes.
3: Athletes or athletes and coaches?
0: 1,300 athletes.
3: So then you've got coaches and you've got families and you've got... This is going to be quite a, a run on hotel rooms.
0: Massive hotel rooms. I mean, the impact, economic impact for the city is substantial. You look at, you know, we're hoping that some of Schnook Blast will be on at the same time. So, right. can we right. integrate those families into going and enjoying other parts of the city? Uh, the Scotties will be on a week before that, I believe. So, that's an opportunity. Wow. So, it's going to be our city in February Yeah. year will yeah. be crazy.
3: Well, we talked about this, but do you, Share my view that we need, because, I, you know, again, I've beaten the table and everything, that we need some heroes here. We need, you know, we obviously we need facilities. We know that that's being taken care at another level. But it just seems to me that I, I'm kind of getting tired of watching things go to other places and, and not coming here. It just feels like we've had a dry spell. And I know that's not completely accurate, because there have been some great events here. Yeah. But it just feels like we've lost a little momentum sports-wise.
0: Yeah, you, you know, I, I think... You know, I looked at the the curling bubble. I can speak a lot to the curling, but I looked at the curling bubble we hosted during COVID, and I, I must say it's probably the proudest I've been of Calgary sure. because there was no place else that could have managed that. I mean, to host during an, a pandemic and yep. all the issues that were happening, I thought Calgary, our team, everybody did a great job. I think I can tell you without revealing a lot, there's a lot coming down the pipe for Calgary. I think there's some people in this city that believe so much in hosting events they're working very hard uh tourism is calgary is leading that Mm -hmm. and so i'm excited for what's to come and and i think calgarians can look forward to some great events
3: david lagoon i believe last week with the 2030 commonwealth games bid i i'm assuming that's part of what you're talking about um those type of events do we need a signature are we guilty of chasing 88 are we guilty of saying that you know, we need to go back to the trough and get that Olympic high or whatever we want to call it. You know, we sit on the outside of the World Cup because we're not there yet. Are um, we maybe guilty sometimes of getting too focused on the top end?
0: Yeah, no, I, you know, it's, it's, it's an argument and a conversation people will have continually. Um, you know, I'm such a, I'm an Olympic supporter, but I also understand. I will I'll tell you a quick story. Mm-hmm. I remember when 88 Olympics was on the table. And my dad was running his own business and struggling and interest rates were extremely high. And that was being put forward. And I remember everybody saying, We can't do this, we can't afford this. We're all kind of like now. Yeah. And I remember my dad saying, you know, this is important for this city. We have to do it, even though we're all saying we can't put money out of our own pockets. Mm-hmm. This is important for the future of the city. And when the Olympics came and the successes was and the legacy it left. I remember looking at my dad and saying, how did you know? And he's like, you know what? You always have to be, you know, promoting the city you live in. And so it doesn't have to be, though. I mean, I guess my one argument is a lot of the smaller events, the Scotties, maybe Mm -hmm. a briar, Mm -hmm. um, some of the Indigenous Games. You talk about all of those opportunities. It doesn't have to be an Olympics. Yeah. There's been a distaste for the Olympics because of the cost and IOC and mm-hmm. I could go, that's a completely different topic. Yeah. And I don't have the knowledge enough to go there, but I do think some of these other events we're getting maybe are better. They engage more Calgarians. People are more willing to accept something that isn't such a big uh, dollar risk.
3: Yeah. So two things that come out of that. One, your dad was a dreamer. I don't know if we have dreamers anymore. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I yeah. sometimes I kind of feel like we're beating it out of kids, and you got to be practical, and you got to you know if if we spend on this, we can't do this, and and there's not enough of yeah, but what if, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I do think he was definitely a, a dreamer and a believer. A believer, maybe believer yeah. is
3: the better word, yeah. but but you know, had some faith that you could do good for the community. Yes, you know.
0: Yeah, and I I guess I got that from him because I believe the same thing. Right, I, I believe big or small, you're doing such good things for this community. I bl- I've born and raised here. I've been here all my life. I believe in this city and what it can do and what it's capable of. Yeah. And I see it over and over again. And yes, I was the most disappointed person when we didn't get the Olympic games, but I also have the ability to park it and say, what's next, mm-hmm. what can we do? And maybe we can get something better. And you know, the, this is this, this for me to put my name on something it's pretty important. It's right. important to me. It makes, it, it's going to make a huge difference to this city and it sends a message about inclusion and that's important going forward absolutely, Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Um, the legacy though, not this legacy, I'm not talking about this legacy, mm-hmm. but is that maybe why we chase the Olympics because I'm not, if the Commonwealth games come here, I don't get the sense that there's going to be a, a big build or something will come out of it. Now, having said that up in Edmonton, they're excited because of course, you know they've got the '78, you know Olympic legacy up or uh, Commonwealth Games legacy up there, which they've taken great care of. Right. You know.
0: Yeah, I you know the I don't know a lot about the Commonwealth. I read a little bit. I yeah. saw the media release. Everybody did. I think it's supposed to be spread around the province a lot more. So not a lot of big builds. Yeah. You know, and I and I think to your point we're leaving a lot of the arena and the field house to the people that should be dealing with it. And I'm glad that it's happening.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I always think there's smarter people than me out there and they should figure this out. Um
3: and- See, I've never thought that
0: yeah, no. <clears throat> I do. I don't think there's anybody smarter <laughs> than you
3: out there. You're the person I put in charge
2: of all this.
0: No, no. I mean, they are speaking for all of us and trying to do the best. And yeah. I, I hope we see eventually that these kind of games, big or small, mm-hmm. what the benefit is for the city.
3: Right. Um, I want to come back to the, the uh, winter games next year in a second, but I'd be remiss if I didn't have you on as the CEO and, uh, of and president of the Canada, Canada sports hall of fame. Again, something you've had to kind of take upon yourself and is it safe to say kind of adjust midstream and, you know, and, and adapt and uh, tell us about the latest with, the hall you you, you've gone online is that right
0: yeah so we we really you know i think covid was a big catalyst for Mm -hmm. us to realize um we we never had an operational issue we had a location issue and we were not in a location that was really well there's tourists don't go through there and unfortunately and and maybe down the road uh, the new arena there might be an opportunity but we really had to look and say, how can we reach, we're a national museum of sport. How can Mm -hmm. we reach all Canadians? And we were reaching a very small amount that came through the doors. And there had been many before me, try everything possible and nothing was happening. So when I took that role, that was kind of my conversation with the board. I think some dramatic changes have to happen. And so we've transitioned and what we've really found is our focus and where we've really leaned in is education. So we're, taking a class that we induct annually, these iconic athletes who have done so much in sport and for sport, and we're telling their stories and we're putting them into classrooms and into communities across this country. And we're reaching millions rather than a small thousand of people through this. And education is important Mm -hmm. and it's through the lens of sport and it's my passion. And I think we're doing good things.
3: So how does it manifest itself? If I'm a teacher in you know in Manitoba how will i be touched by the the Canada Sports Hall of Fame
0: so we have a platform called beyondthewind.ca and on it is 150 plus education programs available to educators across the country so we were just on calls to the Manitoba school board and the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation and we work with the Alberta Teachers Association all of the pro- provincial associations to promote these programs mm-hmm. They're provided to schools at no cost, and that 's because we have amazing sponsors and people step up and put their name on this right. um, and so they can go on there 's curriculum aligned activities there 's education programs there's um, all different you can search uh, racism, you can search mm-hmm. indigenous education, we even profile our fourteen indigenous hall of famers yep. and we tell the stories of their sports success and and how you know i 'll never forget the one interview we did with Wilton Littlechild. And he talked about residential school and he said sport saved my life in residential school. And so, you know, people sometimes say, well, really, what is the value of sport? Well, there's a really good example of what the value of sport is. Um, so it's, I'm excited because we're reaching millions now yeah. and it's, it's the right space for us to be in. We're still integrating the artifacts into these uh, digital programs. We're telling these hall of famer stories. We're doing one on Jackie Barrett. Now I'm going to relate this back to special Olympics, but, We're going to do an education program on special Olympian, Jackie Barrett. Mm -hmm. Jackie Barrett was a weightlifter. He was the very first special Olympic athlete to be inducted into Canada sports hall of fame in 2019. And so we're going to tell his story and we're going to talk about special Olympics and that program is going to be available to schools across the country. And they're going to understand what the value and what inclusion is and what Jackie Barrett overcame to become a Special Olympic athlete. And they're going to also understand what the Special Olympics does for people in this country.
3: So I I not fully understanding, is it targeted for an age group or is it across the spectrum from K to 12. It is K to 12. K right? to 12.
0: So it's it's available. So there's all different age ranges and activities are, you know, intermediate beginner and and advanced. And so it's quite, it's been you know, three plus years of labor to get this platform ready and available. Right. And now we're pushing it out across the country.
3: So as a keeper of our sport legacies and and our heroes, what's the public appetite? And the reason I bring that up is I know even locally here, the, the, the Calgary Booster Club's looking for new blood. Like, let's get some young people involved here. Mm-hmm. Do young people, do they uptake? The, the legacy, does it, does it have meaning or is a recency bias that, you know, they're really only concerned about what's in their privy?
0: It, you know, I think what we've done, what I struggled with when I joined the hall was what is the importance of inducting Hall of Famers and then effectively not doing anything with that. And what I really understand is that you need to connect to youth. Mm-hmm. How do you connect to youth? Well, you tell the stories, but through the stories, there's lessons. How do you know how do you learn how to overcome racism if you can see yourself as an indigenous youth in this country and you can see Wilton Littlechild absolutely and you can hear what he overcame you go well it's possible if I can see it I can be it yeah and so we're promoting role models in this country that's what I think our job is right we're promoting individuals that have overcome unbelievable odds right they're resilient And then, but we're all sports and all people. So our class is diverse. There's Paralympians, there's indigenous athletes, there's, you know, it's vast. And so we're connecting with youth. And I think that was the big miss is we weren't connecting with youth. We were connecting with you and I. Yes. You and I could go through a hall of fame and go, I remember him and I remember Absolutely. Yeah. But we weren't connecting with youth because a lot of these people don't know, young kids don't know who Wayne Gretzky is. But now it doesn't really matter that it's Wayne Gretzky, but it matters the story he's t- he teaches and the lessons you're learning.
3: Right. Well, and it goes without saying, representation matters. It does. Right? It's huge. And I think that's one thats one thing that you need to be credited with. I mean, in your term, that I know there was work done before you, but that is one thing that you've gone out of your way and clearly have seen that that matters.
0: It, it, you know, it's important to me because I think it was so simple. Role models. That's how I became successful in anything I've done is mm-hmm. I looked up to role models and thought, wow, I mean, Sandra Schmerler was one I looked up to and thought that she's an amazing athlete. She's an Olympian. I mean, maybe there's a chance. I've seen female CEOs come before me. I mean, did I think I could be a CEO of Canada Sports Hall of Fame? I did. I don't think years ago I would have. But when the opportunity came, I'm like, why not? Yeah. So I, I really think role models is probably one of the important things. I mean, people can argue about the value of sport. And there's been a lot of bad news about sport in the past few years. Mm-hmm. But I, when I, when we induct these incredible individuals, we induct them not only because they're iconic sports successes, mm-hmm. but we induct them because of what they've given back to our country. And those are the type of role models you want to promote.
3: But isn't part of the anger over the problems in sport just frustration because it's not what sports about.
0: No, it isn't. I know. Right. I had- it's
3: fine. Usually money mm-hmm. usually has to do with money. Mm-hmm. It very rarely has to do with morals or, <laughs> nope. you know, or you're right. Team building or anything yeah, like that. No. Right. That to me is the, the frustrating part is that I know the value, you know, the value and okay. yet, it seems like sometimes we're talking about the wrong things.
0: Well, we are. And I think, you know, the things that concern me probably are safe sport and probably are, you know, abuse mm-hmm. in sport. But I think we are, or I know what we are doing through these education programs is allowing kids to understand that's not allowed, that's not acceptable. And so when you have somebody speaking up, like a Winnie Corn Miller, or you yeah. talk about Mark Tewksbury, and they speak about, you know, what they would allow being coached as an athlete, you start to realize, okay, I've got somebody who's speaking out for me.
3: One of the things, <laughs> I love you. I, there's just so much I can talk oh, to you oh. about. No, there's just so much I can talk to you about because what you're doing with the hall of fame is not a quick fix.
2: No, it's
3: been a you- long time. Right. But you're, if it's K to 12, then you have the opportunity to be with a child through their educational journey. When they come out the other end, they will have learned those lessons and will be far more productive in our society. But that's going to take 10 or 20 years. And there's a lot of people that want fix it now Immediate. immediate. That's not what it is. There's a long play here.
0: Oh, there is. And I mean, this has been a long haul to get there and to understand and to make sure we're doing things right. Yeah, But I really believe, and this is not a pie in the sky. It's, I can influence what our community turns out to be or Canadians turn out to be or, or our world ends up being by influencing youth today. And I say I, and I mean the Hall of Fame, the 700 Hall of Famers we've inducted. We're influencing youth now. They're going to be the ones that make this world great right. and turn it around and change it Absolutely. for the better. So Absolutely. if we can do it, because I can't do that, I'm yeah. not going to be here. But I can do a little bit now to give them the tools to be great. Um, to be leaders, like why, you know, and, and I think the thing that's always has concerned me on more of a personal level is girls. They quit sport oh, so the, much sooner yeah, 100%, than them. Yeah, And so I want to make sure they stay in sport. I want to make sure they can sit in a boardroom and they can sit as a CEO and they can, that that is all there for them. The only reason I had the confidence to do that is because of sport, mm-hmm. because I learned how to lose. Mm-hmm. And I learned like probably the best thing I ever learned from sport, Rob, is how to lose.
3: I just said that I love you. <laughs> um, I think that, and I, I say it all the time, I think we underestimate the value of failure. Yeah. We do. And it's about, you're absolutely right. I am I'm a product of failure. <laughs> no, but I am. I mean, you learn. Like, oh. if you tell me, oh, you did that great. I'm going to get cocky and confident, but if it fails and I'm embarrassed about it, I'm going to, or however I feel about it, I'm going to go in and I'm going to adapt. And to me, we, we have this society that wants to take failure out. No. We, we,
0: want, we want perfect. No. We need good. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, by the time you see athletes stand on a podium or CEOs run billion dollar companies, they have failed more times. They've missed more shots than you'll ever know. Yep. But the thing was, they chose to learn from those failures and those misses. My dad, again, I go back to my dad, but he he was always very common sense. And he said, Cheryl, this was, he helped me with curling when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And he said, Cheryl, you either win or you learn. You never lose. So either take those losses and learn something yeah. from it. Cause then if you don't, it's a real loss. Yeah. And that's always served me well going through life. Yeah.
3: I, I, I just believe that. I believe that's part of sport. That's part of the journey of sport and it, and it teaches you so much. And the other thing, and you don't have to comment on that. I'll just make, but it's really important that people understand that this city probably more so than any other city in in Canada produces uh, female sports leaders <laughs> at a, at an incredible rate must be the water might be the altitude, <laughs> But for whatever I look at you, Katrina, Cassie, I see what C-Sex got in terms of managers and, and good young female leaders coming up. Like they're here and now we need to get out of the way, right? <laughs> now we just need to get out of the way. Well said. Well, well said. I believe it. I've, I've, I've said it for a long time. And, and, and you know, it's funny because it almost feels like my adult life, it's been about equality for different groups. And, and then it was gender equality and now, you know, DEI. And here we are talking about, you know, kids with, with – you know, with challenges, but they're not opposite. Like they're not, they're just different. Yeah. And, and, and they just need to find their place. And when given their place, they're leaders too.
0: You know what it is to me is they have just different abilities than, I mean, we all have different abilities. Yeah. So I, I've never understood looking at people for disabilities. They just have a different ability and it's maybe unique to I, you or it may be unique to me.
3: Well, I, I tell this story cause we're taking a, a superheroes team to Ottawa this weekend. So it's the first time that our kids are going to go to an adapted hockey tournament wow. and our captain won't be there. And our captain Adam was a young man with autism, and I th- I think his world was going to be living at home and and you know menial jobs and he's a happy kid. We were skating around on the ice one day, and he talked to me. He just said he told me about his website with uh, fire alarms. And I said, "What are you talking about?" He says, "Yeah, I got a website with fire alarms." So I pulled out my phone while I'm skating. He gave me the web address. The kid at 15 had 80. Fire alarm schematics for buildings in Calgary. Oh, he just graduated at 18 from high school and is now a full-time fire alarm tech. Hockey. See. Sport. Listen. It's just, that's the power. I know. And, and that when you bring
0: these athletes here next year and your legacy is so powerful. Oh, it is. It's important. Right. It is. It's important for this city. Like, you know, you this city is going to get something out of this legacy. This yes. city is going to become one of the most Ye- inclusive cities yes. in this country.
3: And you know, we have a dozen superheroes, kids working at CSEC in food and beverage oh. and, and they need those opportunities. They need to be seen as, and I can over and over and over again, i have seen examples. So I love the legacy. The event itself is fantastic. The volunteerism, but the legacy is so important for
0: this event, and this this Games Committee and Francois and I and Tourism Calgary put a lot of thought into what a legacy could be. That's that's really impactful because there's a lot of them. You know, statues get left, buildings get built. This is and those are important. They are those this, are important. This is this is long term, forever. We'll change our the fabric of our city, and uh, for
3: the better. Yes, and for the better. Yes. Um, still need some volunteers. Still could use some sponsors. What else? How else can we help?
0: that is so I'll give the website again. Cause I, Calgary twenty twenty four Special Olympics You can okay. sign up to volunteer there. There's information on more sponsorship opportunities. Uh, we are more than willing to hear from any corporations in the city that want to get involved. We would love it, and I, I know the city will step up in many ways.
3: We, I know we have teachers watching. Uh, if they want to learn more about the hall and how they can, where can they find that information?
0: So that is uh, beyond the win. So beyond the win uh, Okay, and uh, all our education programs are on there. Or uh, there's contacts on the website as well to get a hold of our director of education. We would love people to reach out.
3: And then tsn.ca slash curling?
0: (laughs) Yes, I think that is it. I think we'll go go with that. I think that was perfect.
3: After I messed up your directions, I have to say you got to come back just to make that whole thing work. (laughs) So we'll have you back so you can use the directions the right way this time. I I appreciate your patience. I appreciate your time. I really appreciate what you're doing here and leading this event. And as I say, the legacy is going to be fantastic. Always a pleasure, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rob. There you go. Cheryl Bernard, does it get any better than that? No. No, it doesn't. All right. Uh, one last uh, shout out to our partners at Oodle Noodle, because we're in the Oodle Noodle studio. And mentioned, well, we should throw them up the Kelms. The Kelms went. Uh, they bring the heat. Try the butter, chicken, mac cheese. They're the Kelms. There's, there's Ty and Noah and their, and their dad and their sister. And they're coming to us. They're coming with us to Ottawa. Um, you want to talk about a success story. The kid in the middle with the fingers up. When we first got him four years, five years ago, didn't talk to anybody. And now he just goes. It's amazing. He's a great kid. Uh, Love that family. Um, Anyway, uh, that is Oodle Noodle. They bring the heat. Try their butter chicken, mac and cheese, Kung Pao noodles, Bangkok Pad Thai classic, vegetarian, gluten-friendly options, pickup and delivery, two locations. I'll get it right this time. 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. You know, you start the program off by being accountable. Damn it. I'm going to get better. I swear to God, I'm going to get this thing down. All right. The final mile. Uh, we have mentioned this thing uh, a couple times, but I, I, I've I, got to tip my hat to the Vegas Golden Knights Foundation. They're 51-49 draw tomorrow when they host the Flames. Proceeds will go to fight ALS in honor of Flames Assistant General Manager Chris Snow. We will have Kelsey Snow in studio on Monday. We are looking forward to that chat. Alex Singleton. How about this? Alex Singleton, three year extension with the Denver Broncos, 18 million total, 9 million of it is guaranteed. Nice guy, great guy, fun guy, awesome guy, uh, who still, I mean, he wasn't in Calgary for very long, but man, he adopted this city and the city adopted him. So that to me is a, uh, a tremendous, tremendous story. Thanks to you guys. I will not be here on Friday. I'll join you in the second hour. Danny, uh, Danny Austin's going to host, and he's put together a hell of a show. Um, I will join from Ottawa where we are taking our superheroes team to our first adapted hockey tournament. So I'm really looking forward to that. I get to do a little coaching. Um, but I'm really excited that Danny's going to be at the helm. I I'll pop in, make sure everything's going all right. Uh, like I should, like I've got the credibility for that. Thanks to Trent McClellan. That was a lot of fun. Uh, if you ever get a chance to catch him, uh, he, he does works some material, some of the local clubs here, but really funny guy and, and a de- really dear friend and Cheryl Bernard and the, uh, I cannot wait for this. And I, I do uh, I, a shout out to my dear friend, Karen Domey, who is, uh, the GM and running this whole thing. She is, uh, uh, absolutely rock star. I can't wait to work for her. Um, I've actually had a whole day with the leaders of this city. I spent some time with Candace Gowdy from the flames foundation, rock star, uh, Nikki Nash from kids up front, rock star, I mean, it's amazing. Um, Speaking of rock stars, uh, thanks to Gavin. Thanks to Mark. It's the third time that I've sent Mark uh, running out into the street looking for a guest. And I apologize for that. But we'll get it right next time. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day unless you've made other plans. See ya.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.